Hi, this is Tom Chick. This is Christian Morosky. This is Kelly Wand. And we are the Quarter 3 Movie Podcast. Now, you know when you go to a movie, and then you and your friends talk about it afterwards. And you know when you see a movie that your friends haven't seen, and you're all like, I wish someone else had seen this so we could talk about it. Friends suck. That's why the Quarter 3 Movie Podcast started way back in 1972. Although it took us a little longer to meet each other. Yeah, and, and podcast technology didn't get invented until a little longer after that. And even then, it took us a little longer to figure out Skype and stuff. I still haven't figured it out. Or Skype. But now, we've accumulated over five years of weekly movie conversations, so you can look up a movie you just saw, and then listen to a podcast of friends talking about it. Unfortunately, due to war rashing and Y2K, two-way podcasting technology hasn't been invented yet, so we can't hear you when you talk to us back. It's like dating a deaf time traveler. But the whole idea of this podcast was to create a collection of conversations about movies. And over the years, we've tried to find ways to include you. At first, this was listener submissions to our weekly list discussion. Discussion, or as we call them, the subtowels. No, not officially sanctioned by Britney Spears, so please don't tell her we're using our song. Right, but, but in case we do get sued and we have to pay back royalties, we are holding our second, not really annual, fundraiser. A.K.A. the AD 2016 quarter to three, make us watch whatever movie you want, fundraiser, Palooza. You still have one week to submit your pick by donating a dollar for each vote for your given movie or movies. Click the donate button on the front page of quarter to three using a clickable input device such as a Kinect, Clitoris, or voting booth. Or go to paypal.me slash QT3. Or just email it to me, the QT3 treasurer at tomwchick at gmail.com. I'm just the national treasure in Germany. Don't forget to let us know in the comment for your donation what movie you want us to watch. On February 21st, we'll have a virtual drawing by generating a random number between one and however many dollars we make. That number will determine which dollar wins the contest. It's like math, but with dice. And that movie will be our movie for the February 28th podcast. Sorry, gods of Egypt. Better luck next, Dynasty. So, submit your picks by 9 p.m. Pacific Time on February 21st. And listen to our podcast that night for the virtual drawing and a complete breakdown of which movies got how many votes. The proceeds will go to our legal defense fund. Uh, if that doesn't materialize, we will put that money toward the movies we see in the future. Right, because movie tickets are expensive. And so far, our local theaters don't extend us any special podcaster privileges. I'll probably spend mine on blow. <laughs> But more importantly, keep participating by sending in comments and 3 by 3 choices. Because as Tom can prove with chalk, 100% of the movies you don't choose won't win. Right. And now for this week's podcast. Say my name, say my name. No one is around you. Say, baby, I love you. Hello there! You are listening to the Quarter to Three Movie Podcast for Deadpool. Yeah, my name is Tom Chick, and uh, I am here to discuss Deadpool with you, the listener, and with Christian Maltz. Mostrosky? Ooh, Captain Mostrosky. Uh, no, just Mostrosky. Oh, and, and with our, our and with our tagline for Deadpool, we have Kelly Wand. It takes him twenty seconds to cut off his hand. 
Got one of their backup taglines for Deadpool. He's like Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> <laughs> Keep running with him, Kelly Wand. He's named after a contest in a bar he goes to, even though alcohol has no effect on him. Are there more? He's like Spider Man. <laughs> uh, I want to call out one of our listeners. Uh, Dingus, who does those posters? Is it Cynic? His name is it's Cynic. Uh, so Cynic has been doing these awesome uh, movie posters where he puts Kelly Wan's taglines on the poster. Uh, he has to pick one, though. He does have to pick one, and, and it's an embarrassment of riches, frankly. Yeah, yeah really. Uh, you're, you're half right on that. <laughs> but he generally uh, leans on the it's like, and it works so well. There are even times where you look at, like, he's he's stealthed in a couple of taglines, right. and you look at it and you think, wait a minute, one of those is real, isn't it? And nope, it's all Kelly Wan's work. It makes me want to see the movie. <laughs> <laughs> like the Brooklyn one, dude. Uh, so if you actually go to uh, this post for the podcast on the front page of Quarter to Three, we've put a link to some of these posters. Uh, and we want to thank Cynic for making these. Uh, keep them coming, uh, and we'll keep posting them where you can see them. And the studios for the other part. <laughs> I, I have no idea how people do that kind of thing, but but at first I was like, wait, wait what's going on? And the Jane got a gun one. Holy crap, it's perfect. It's the, the magic of Photoshop, I suspect. Yeah, yeah I'm But sure. if they use them, if the studios use them, then they should pay Cynic. They should pay Cynic, exactly. Definitely. Thanks to Cynic. Good God, that guy is awesome. Yeah. So speaking of the studios, Kelly Wand, why don't you read us a couple of movie synopses from big studio films <laughs> and see if Dingus and I see which of us can guess quickest what movie it's from. Wait, read a couple of them. What do you mean? Oh, no, only do one. Sorry. Hmm. This is your hint. It's a superhero movie. All right, I'm ready. It sounds like right up my alley. I love the superheroes <laughs> in the comic books and whatnot. It's the movie that made me want to become a superhero movie. Mm. Mm. Flash Gordon. Flash Gordon's not a superhero, is he? That made me want to become a photo novel. That made me want to hook up with that Dale chick. No, no, yeah, with the princess. No. With the princess. Forget the Dale chick. Vanilla Beauty. Yeah. The Mad Magazine one was called Flesh Garden. Here's the movie, IMDb, for your battle of wits. Awesome. Down these mean streets, a man must come, a hero born, murdered, and born again. When a rookie cop named Denny Colt returns from the beyond, a hero whose mission is to fight against the bad forces from the shadows of Central City. Son of sons. The octopus who kills anyone unfortunate enough to see his face who has other plans, period. <laughs> this one's real. <laughs> He's going to wipe out the entire city. <laughs> Period. <laughs> oh, is this um, uh, is this Watchmen? Please, Dingus. That's the end of Watchmen. Oh, sorry. The, the Watchmen doesn't have an octopus. Yeah, it does. does the, the comic book one does. Right, right. Oh, yeah. right, right. But that wouldn't be in a movie synopsis. Very good, good catch, Kelly Wan. Dingus. Oh, you, uh, is Kelly Wan. I actually did a comic book Kelly Wan movie inversion. Denny Colt tracks this cold-hearted killer from the city's rundown warehouses to the damp catacombs <laughs> to the windswept waterfront. Uh, sounds like so many varieties. All the while facing a bevy of beautiful women who either want to seduce, love, or kill the masked crusader. 
They want to seduce, love, or kill the Masked Crusader. They have to roll a die to figure out which one. I think Tom went to sleep. I can't believe it. I'm, I'm trying to. I'm, I'm going through the the files of my mind, trying to remember such a movie. Superhero movies. Yeah. The files of my mind. The Tom Chick story. It's a Carpenter's song. <laughs> Denny Colt didn't ring a bell, Tom. No, I don't remember character names. That's Dingus's department. When is you that, hear it, you still won't remember it. That's your hit. Is that Mark Wahlberg, like, mag, not Mad Max, Max... Max Payne is a video game thing, Dingus. It's not a comic book thing. They're very different. Video games are not comic books. All right, let me write this down. Yeah. They're way worse. <laughs> <laughs> comic books are way better. Uh, no offense to the present company. Wait, myself, I mean. The movie is called The Spirit. It was Frank Miller just directed. Oh, yeah. Oh, all right. You thought one of us saw that? I thought maybe Dingus might have. I actually and did, like, and I hated it. Right. That's why I, I try to get you to – I try to give you softballs. No, there was a Frank Miller vibe at the beginning, and I almost yeah, went there, and then you said squid, and that just totally derailed me. All right, so no winner this week, I'm afraid. We'll have All right, to so Kelly Wan gets another point for the second week in a row, I think. Wow. Kelly Wan, this is an unparalleled streak of successes on your part. Wow. I'm not trying to get points. No, well, you're doing well. I'm actually trying to get them to Dingus. <laughs> Dingus, step up your game already. All right, Dingus, speaking of your game, tell us what movie we saw this week. Speaking of Denny Colt and windswept uh, waterfronts and octopuses and whatnot and comic books. Octopuses. I'm just I'm just listing stuff that apparently is in spirit. I, I don't know anything about it. Did you say listing stuff? Just you sound I, like I'm just mentioning things that Kelly Wan said were in spirit. I made a list of some of them. I, uh, no, but the way you said I'm listing stuff, you sounded like Sarah Palin for a second there. Well, that she has a Tom's favorite. Yeah, she is my favorite. It's Tom's favorite Star Wars movie is Sarah Palin. <laughs> Octopi. Uh, whenever they make lists, it's always an eight. Hmm. <laughs> Not so with squids. Make them intense. This week we saw Deadpool. Deadpool is a 2016 American action adventure superhero movie that really is a love story. Wait, did I say it was a love story? It's a horror movie. It was directed by Tim Miller and written by Rhett Reese and Paul Wernick. Based on the comic book character created by Rob Liefeld and Fabian Nisiera. It stars Ryan Reynolds, Morena Baccarin, TJ Miller, Brianna Hildebrand, Ed Skrein, Gina Carano, and Leslie Uggams. Deadpool is rated R. Mm-hmm. For strong violence and language throughout, sexual content, and graphic nudity. Fortunately, no smoking. That's what I – we dodged that bullet. It was a relief. Uh, Deadpool, critically, on Metacritic, which is the average from various uh, reviews, Deadpool is at 65. Oh, it went down. Well, on Rotten Tomatoes, it's at 84%. That's the percentage of reviews that are positive. I just got the numbers mixed up. At the box office, however, Deadpool was a huge hit, number one, of course, but it defied all expectations and made $135 million, which breaks a couple of records. Uh, 
first of all, it breaks the record for a Valentine's Day opening, but but whatever. I mean, that that's not a big deal. The big deal are Daredevil. The the big deal is that it killed. It totally killed the record for an R-rated movie opening. Uh, because notoriously, R ratings will limit the audience and therefore the, the income a movie can make. Uh, Deadpool defied all expectation by shattering the previous record of one of the Matrix sequels. I, I forget which one, uh, which made 91 million. That was R rated, big opening. Deadpool breaks that record with 135 million. It also broke the record for a first time director. Uh, previously, that had been set by Chris Miller. Not the Chris Miller of the Phil Lord, Chris Miller duo that did Jump Street and, and, and the Lego movie. But a guy named Chris Miller did Shrek 3, which was previously the first-time director record. He made $121 million with the opening of Shrek 3. So it's a Miller-off. It's yeah. a Miller-off, yes. Tim Miller is clearly the superior Miller. Uh, you know what I say when it's Miller time. <laughs> what do you say, Kelly Wand? Absolutely not. Very good. Uh so, Kelly Wand, why don't you then spoil the plot of Deadpool entirely for our listeners with a, with a Deadplopsis? <laughs> I tried. Really? That's the best I got. <laughs> I thought that one was pretty good. Deadpoopsis. Oh, yeah, good work, Kelly Wand. <laughs> See? It's easy once you know. Yeah. And once, you've seen the, once you've seen the poster with the it's emoji. It's like chess. Yeah. yeah. Does really uh, like now I see the poster first. Dead poopsis. A car chase happens while words make fun of it. Deadpool's voiceovers all. I know what you're thinking. He says some jokes. He also says, by the way, this is different from most comic book movies in that it features a romantic subplot. My audience laughs, then applauds the laugh. Then he's all. But here's the conversation I had earlier with the cab driver character. He flashes back to how he got a ride earlier from an Iranian. Since the Iranian's Iranian, Deadpool's costume, disfigured face, and psychotic retardation all hold little interest for him. Instead, the Iranian describes his romantic woes, which exist because his cousin's better. Deadpool offers not to help, then pays his cab fare by saying something dumb. Then he jumps into a car chase to ask people where someone named Francis is. Sometimes he interrupts time and space to do some jokes while all the gunmen do spit takes. All the cars in the movie are black Chevy vans like Nick Fury's and Winter Soldier, but I pretend this isn't financially related so I can fit in with the group. <laughs> in one of these Chevys, Francis's gunman friends use Deadpool's head to change radio stations. Something hits something, so other cars show up and people from them shoot guns at stuff that Deadpool's doing jokes crouch behind. No matter how many of them Deadpool kills, the gunmen always stop to listen to his jokes, but never laugh at them. My audience laughs constantly because Deadpool's manic. Deadpool tells them he has 12 bullets left, then shoots some of them, although some of the bullets have multiple numbers on them. Corporal Leah leans over to me and goes, In the Star Wars universe, our lasers have numbers on them. And the insides of our trash compactors, fortunately. <laughs> Speaking of which, this may shock you, but I've had some work done. Most recently on my ass. Listen. As the two most beloved X-Men, Colossus and Pugsley from Adam's family walk up. <laughs> Thank God that character's in this. 
Deadpool makes a T symbol with his hands to all the gunmen, walks into view, and addresses the film's cameraman directly. I suppose you're wondering what I was like without a costume. Just like back in the 90s, George Lucas thought we all wondered about Darth Vader and Boba Fett and Princess Leia. Like those characters, I wasn't always zany and hideously scarred. Speaking of which, was so hot in New York City today, they asked the Statue of Liberty to put her arm down. My audience laughs and starts fucking. We flashed back to before Deadpool realized he was in a superhero movie and was just snarky with a scooter and a job terrorizing pizza delivery boys. In other words, Dane Cook. <laughs> He's like a Baldwin brother to... Never mind. In the flashback, Deadpool's best friend is a bartender who hopes he dies. Deadpool meets a hooker who only likes to have sex on holidays. One night, he gives her a wedding ring covered in his poo, then goes, Hey, honey, you think that's romantic? Watch this. He gets up, sashays to their toilet-slash-kitchen, pees for a couple seconds, then passes out. The next day, Deadpool's urologist is all, Well, Mr. Reynolds, the good news is that your kidneys are 100% healthy. The bad news is that the rest of you has brain damage. Also, you have stage 12 rectal warts from keeping the engagement ring up for over two weeks. The girlfriend starts whispering questions in slow motion while Deadpool stares at her. (laughs) To the gunman at us and Colossus, his voiceovers all, for the last time in my life, I wondered if that was the first time I'd ever seen her. She was already on plan A. That's so her, whatever her name is. Also, what do you get when you cross a donkey and a horse? I don't know, but it's crawling up your leg. My audience laughs and then cries as they remember the drama of his earlier pee mishap. To solve his medical problems, Deadpool goes to a diner and sits inside it. A Secret Service man comes in and goes, Mr. Reynolds, we have a cure for cancer. It's called torture. For national security reasons, we put a British person in charge of the program and the chick from Haywire. Usually we use scientists, but... (laughs) Eventually, Ryan Reynolds is all... Sounds awesome. My fans haven't gotten to enjoy seeing me stuck in a box for extended screen time since 2010. (laughs) Just promise me my costume's made of rubber and that this movie's not R.I.P.D. He winks at my audience. They wink back, then applaud with their eyelids. After explaining his unorthodox curative regimen to the hooker by not telling her, Ryan Reynolds ingratiates himself (laughs) with his new Guantanamo doctors by mocking them. The British ones all... Right, my name's classified. Now hold still while I set you on fire, right? Yeah, lighten up, Francis. Ha <laughs> I said your name. <laughs> it was written on the name tag on your smock that I just tore off. Francis looks down at his scrubs and goes, What the? Why you? Oh. Deadpool's all, Hey, what's got four wheels all over and flies? An airplane. Ha cha cha. The chick from Haywire scowls around the cigarette lighter in her mouth and goes, Jovial attitudes are not permitted. Her sc- <laughs> Her cleavage scowls also. Deadpool's all, hey, honey, why don't you come up to my hotel room this day later for some little lady who? My days of liberty gibbet. The females in my audience fan themselves excitedly. A technician points to a machine Reynolds is hooked up to and goes, sir, these impertinence levels are literally off the graph. Right. Hey, why are you heave your chest? Gary, you go get us a larger graph. As for you, Reynolds, it's time we wrapped you up. <laughs> get it? Uh, Reynolds rap. I'm sexy and alive, just like Chappie. Now, we're going to put you in this aquarium. We're going to turn this knob. Enjoy your weekend. Weekend? What's a weekend? I mean, hey, Carano, come here a second. I want to whisper something to you. As Haywire leans in, Reynolds headbutts her. She looks annoyed. 
Francis is all. All right, hey, why? That's enough foolishness out of you. Go home and chew on something. I'll make a speech here. She leaves. Francis looks at Reynolds and goes, by the way, I'm a traitor. And all this torture, it's actually meant to hurt you. Why does your mouth look so full? Eh, I'm not observant. He walks off. The second he's gone, Reynolds reveals that he bit off Gina Carano's tongue and kept it hidden in his mouth all this time. Now he spits it at his aquarium's webcam. It makes the aquarium explode and then unties the ropes around his wrists and ankles. Princess Leah leans over to me and goes, That aquarium reminds me of the Bacta tank that inspired postcards from the edge. Francis walks back on screen and goes, oh, and by the way, I'm a traitor. Wait, I said that already. Hey, you loose. That does it. He takes off his coat and rolls up his sleeves. Deadpool's all, sticks and stones may break my bones, but Francis rams a stick through him, then blows up the building and leaves chuckling. On the freeway, Deadpool's all, and that's the day I realized how useless it is to impale a Marvel character. Wait, that's Deadpool. <laughs> uh, yeah. He turns around and sees that Francis is gone and also no longer impaled. Colossus and his sidekick, Fatty Arbuckle, were so intent on Deadpool's flashback story that they forgot to tell Deadpool that the villain was freeing himself behind him and tiptoeing away. So now they handcuff him instead. Deadpool winks at us and goes, Anyone see the Crucible? Spoiler alert. He cuts off his hand for a bit while Colossus and his sidekick, Lollipop Guild, watch and do nothing. Then he jumps off a freeway and down into another speeding truck full of gunmen, but these ones are nice. They drop him off at the apartment he shares with Uhura. She's disabled, but wise. <laughs> I want to say I had that. <laughs> I thought that for, like, at least two scenes. Oh, I thought that for the whole movie, yeah. Did you? I was a little bummed at the end when it wasn't. I was like, ah, that was such a weird... And, and I said to the one of the people I went to see with, I, I bet you dollars to donuts, Kelly Wand is going to say Uhura. Uh, I could have done Jordy. Yeah, but not in this movie. They drop him off at the apartment he shares with Uhura. She's disabled but wise, like Professor X, Stan Lee, and the Hulk. He farts in her face, tells her he loves her, and then goes into his room to masturbate. On his way into his bedroom, he's all, Sure, Viaduct, what's a Henway? The aristocrats. He slams the door. My audience falls asleep, dreams he slams it again. Then they all yawn and stretch awake, smiling nostalgically. The next day, Deadpool's all, that sure was a lot of hard work escaping from Colossus and that girl character I've never seen before. Now what? He pretends to think, then pretends to snap his fingers and goes to the X-Mansion for freakish youngsters and also grown-ups and possibly Spider-Man. He knocks on the door and tells Colossus and his sidekick teenage girl Bob Hoskins, hey, I know you handcuffed me yesterday, so let's join forces. It'll be like Blade Trinity. He turns to wink at us and goes, pretty small house you got here. Looks like the studio budget was too big for uh, the small house. The bed, the, uh, the two of them. And the, could have been a bigger, uh, see what I'm saying, over there? Audience? My audience doesn't do anything. The Iranian from before pulls up next to them and goes, anyone wish a lift? The Iranian's cousin turns out not to have been better than him after all, since he got put inside the trunk by the Iranian. Trunk cousin gets killed during the journey, but since we don't see the extent of his injuries, it's justified. Since Deadpool's not your average superhero movie, it climaxes with a fight in a junkyard. Haywire's boobs get arrested by Colossus' sidekick since they're both girls, and Francis gets shot in the head, while Colossus throws up silver motor oil all over the sidekick, which is actually grosser than the headshot we're not shown. 
Deadpool goes over to a mummy case with his hooker and it lets her out and goes, Hooker, it's me, Reynolds. I'm sorry I didn't tell you I was alive sooner, but I assume from how you acted after I got my prognosis that you were only interested in my looks. She's all, Who are you again? He takes off his mask to show he's wearing a paper plate with eye holes on it. She's all, Oh, Reynolds. Well, if I was someone else, that looks like a plate I could eat off of. Colossus throws up on the audience. I look over at actual DC comic superhero, Matter Eater Lad. <laughs> what no. just happened? No what way. Just yep. yep. Nope. He can, yep. He can nope. eat through anything. He can eat look, through anything. Wow. I looked him up. <laughs> God. Matter like one that's also named like lad. Baby Head. Oh, good lord. There's a lot of cool ones. There's the Superman horse, too. Talk to them telepathically. And a cat named Streaker. Anyway, I look over at Matter Eater Lad and go, Hey, I want my superhero name to be Needle Dick. He's all Captain Needle Dick. Words scroll up the screen without jokes this time. As I head to the bathroom, I hear Deadpool come on screen and lecture the audience behind me for not going to the bathroom. They laugh. Finally, a superhero edgy enough to rip off Ferris Bueller. The end. Thank you, Kelly Wand. Uh, all right. So, uh, Kelly Wand, you're going to have to be our official comic book expert. Uh, I don't think Dingus Ryan knows much about the actual Deadpool. Uh, so, as our comic book expert, Kelly Wand, as our source material authority, how well did this express the Deadpool you know and love from the comics? Um, I didn't really know that much about him. I'd read a couple things. Uh, Real quick, I want to interrupt you and say, I don't believe that, and I believe in the course of the discussion, you will correct me and or Dingus at least three times. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I'm going to have the over on that, Tom. Yeah, okay, good. All right, go ahead, Kelly Wand. Um, just know that in the comics, he's omnisexual, and he doesn't have a girlfriend. Like, the, part of his superpower, since his cells are always regenerating constantly it makes his sex drive change constantly because his brain's always in flux. So he doesn't have a monogamous relationship with a hooker. So that was all kind of new and kind of serious, I thought. I, mean, I actually have a real question because I don't know. I don't really I don't, believe she's a hooker. I don't know the language. I don't know the language kids are using these days, but does omnisexual mean also that he's gay? He's not only gay. He's and, Right, right, right. But that's also like, so like he'll have same-sex relationships. That's in the comics? Yeah. That's kind of cool. Okay. Right. Cool. So he's kind of the first gay super villain. Like, there's a lot of it. And his powers are pretty interesting, too. He's got he's had his head cut off multiple times, and he's died a few times. He can regrow a new head. So he's but basically how, immortal. How is this any different than, I mean, Wolverine? I mean, isn't he just Wolverine revisited? He's uh, he doesn't have claws. And he's, I understand he's that he doesn't crazy. have claws, but it's just the same power, but he's more snarky. Here's where I can, I think, uh, weigh in. And Kelly Wan, maybe this will be one of the places you correct me. Uh, Dingus, I believe um, Deadpool is a direct either homage or ripoff of a DC character named uh, Deathstroke. Uh, and it's so direct that Deathstroke's actual name is Slade Wilson. Okay. So DC has this character, and whoever invented – I don't know if it's Rob Liefeld or someone else. Whoever invented Deadpool at Marvel basically – it was either given the the mandate, hey, give us our version of Deathstroke, or he just decided to do this. He was just so obvious about ripping it off that he went whole hog and just made him break the fourth wall and make comments about comic book culture. Uh, oh, all right. That, that, that's, that, so his superpower is kind of irrelevant. He's a direct imitation of another, another character 
whose superpower really is breaking the fourth wall. Kelly oh. Wand, do you need to apply yeah. any corrections to that? No, I think that's all true because he knows he's a comic book character, and then he also um, will read past issues. But also in the comics, he has like two interior monologues going, and apparently the logical one of the two is ba- is uh, Doctor Bong speaking to him, who is a Howard the Duck villain from a different dimension. Oh I hope this has been helpful. So that's wow. how a Howard the Duck crossover. Not since right. Guardians of the Galaxy has Doctor Bong. Yeah. Is a voice who speaks to him. Yeah. Well, so and also, Kelly Wand, as our comic book uh, source material expert, how well did it work for you then as a movie, regardless of how it expressed the Deadpool uh, mythos? Uh, I like that it exists. I feel the way I admire its commitment. I think it's a labor of love. Um, I mean, it's like The Revenant. <laughs> it was made by people who were really into it. I think it's a soft R. I think it's a 14-year-old R. Um, if I was 14, I'd really enjoy it. I hardly recommend the movie for all 14-year-olds. Right, because they'll, they'll get all of the cultural references to right. to Liam Neeson movies and George Michael. They'll get all that shit. Well, they'll just think it's funny and his jokes are funny. But once you're 15 or over, you, you don't necessarily recommend it? Yeah, I like parts of it. Like, there's okay. some funny lines, I guess, but it's still a superhero movie, and I can't tell if that's a part of why... You know, I mean, it takes a lot of the tropes kind of seriously. Like, there's a girl, like, he has to go save. I don't know. So I feel dumb out and out championing it. Okay. But um, I didn't hate it either. Um, And I really... It's probably a good sign. Uh, Dingus, where do you fall on this? You uh, are our secondary comic book source material um, authority in that (laughs) you can explain all the stuff about Deadpool in uh, Wolverine Origins... Um, apparently some which isn't canon. Uh, so the thing is, how did, then did it work for you as a Deadpool movie and as a movie uh, in and of itself? Well, they drop all that stuff for this movie. I mean, ah, it's a reboot. Uh, other yeah. than other than having a, a cultural reference with the little doll uh, at one point, they have they have a doll of him as the X Men Origins character at the end as one of their many uh, many 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 self referential moments. You have that actual doll from the end of that movie just as a joke. But other than that, they decided to abandon that whole line of of, uh, of logic for how Deadpool came to be, and, and they just went with their own way other than he's special forces. Um, uh, but other than that, I, I fucking hated this movie. <laughs> wow, Dingus with the profanity. Yeah, I, 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 yeah. It's, not dig- it's like Kick-Ass. It's I absolutely – Oh, Kick-Ass is a good parallel, Kelly Wand. Um, yeah. So I, what, what I loved about this movie, and I had a great time. Uh, I, I like it quite a bit, is I cannot imagine Disney having the guts for this. Um, right. I like that we got a super self-referential, like super pop culture-oriented, R-rated, violent, super energetic yeah. meta-comedy. Like, like yes. Marvel right now, there's the Avengers Marvel at Disney, and then Fox is fumbling around trying to figure out what to do. I mean, the X-Men stuff is going fine, I guess. But they had that Fantastic Four disaster. Right. Uh, so I think they're a little insecure. They're nervous. I love that they're ballsy enough yeah. to do this. Um, and, uh, yeah, so things I want to get into why you hated it in a minute. But I will say I'm totally with you, Kelly Wand, in that I feel that they unfortunately pulled a lot of their R-rated punches. Um, for a couple of reasons, like you said, it's kind of it makes fun of the tropes so much, but then it also ends up 
expressing them. I mean, all yeah, that stuff with the girl. Yeah, and the happy ending and the, just the generic fight at the end. And, uh, like, I wished it had been a little more subversive. And more importantly, I wished it had been a little more R-rated. Because, yeah. um, for one thing, he doesn't – and I don't know if this is different from the comics, Deadpool. He doesn't kill anyone who, does, who, who doesn't deserve killing. Like, it's uh, very safe about – in this movie, he's killing the henchmen. His whole revenge thing is – revenging a guy who tortured him day after day uh you know he just harasses the stalker pizza delivery guy uh he he starts the fight in the bar between two guys but he doesn't really like like he doesn't the x-men are wanting him not to do certain things and i'm like x-men what are you fussing about he's he's not doing like he's being a total good guy yeah so i kind of wish the x-men's job to arrest people (laughs) right (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so I, I'd wish that it had played more with this anti-hero thing that I presume is maybe more keenly felt in the comics. Yeah, and he's not. His origins are sort of mysterious in the comics. Um, and Francis, I don't think, is in it either. Ah, so this is sort of he's like yeah. This is kind of like for for people in the cheap seats who need to know where he came from and what his deal right. is. And interesting. Okay. And if you take the love story out of it, he's a much different character, and he's well, much great. I would have loved the idea of him being pansexual or omnisexual, as you put it. I mean, that would have been fantastic rather than this, this yeah. ridiculous, oh, I'm saving the chick, and she loves me even though I'm wearing right. latex makeup. <laughs> like, yeah, and the way the movie handles his, like, you're supposed to go, oh, he's wearing a Wham shirt. Oh, he likes uh, getting a dildo on one day. That makes, that make, like, that's right, right, right. into his crazy taste. And then at the end, it shows the girl, and it says hot, and then it shows the villain, and it says hotter. And so that's supposed to be Deadpool, like, lusting for fun. Ah, right. Well, even, like, the fact that we didn't see Gina Carano's breast when the whole joke is it's fallen out of the, her, her suit, I mean, that was so PG-13. Right. And I don't know if it's just that Gina Carano doesn't want to do nudity or whatever, but I was like, really, guys? We're in an R-rated movie. Yeah. Come on, go whole hog with this. I know. All right, so, so. Dingus, uh, explain why you effing hated this. What, what uh what what was your issue here? What what was what was your what was going on that you and hated it? I don't think it's funny. I mean, from the moment it started, and you know, we were in the same theater, Tom. Nobody's laughing in that credit sequence. Not a person. I mean, I chuckled once in the beginning one. Yeah, the, that whole credit sequence. A hot chick. Uh, the, this was directed by an overpaid tool. All that stuff is so. It is so too clever by half. It's trying so hard. Hey, yeah, it is. I don't think it goes anywhere, and nobody in my theater was laughing at all during the movie. Uh, I'm pretty sure I was. was Tom laughed a few times. Alexandra laughed one time. I Uh, wasn't really laughing at her, though. No, no, she laughed very hard when... No, no, I was going to say, that wasn't really laughter. That was like Dingus standing up going, nice! Her her amusement at one particular scene, which I didn't understand, uh, reverberated throughout the theater. Yeah, and it lasted for a long time, and it was that moment where he's like, I could have created you in a computer. I mean, that was a that was a hilarious moment for her. Otherwise, nobody in my I mean, there was nothing. I, I don't think this movie is funny. I don't think any of that opening stuff is funny. In fact, I think that the danger of that opening sequence is that it actually is insulting to the people who are coming there to watch the movie and actually put a wall between me. I mean, I but I, I love I didn't that find movie. any of that funny. Yeah, I, mean, I, I love perfect it. Idiot. Yeah, I love that it's lampooning comic book culture, that it's aware of how ridiculous it is, that it's aware of – and lampooning the studio system, that gag about – which, by the way, isn't even a joke because it's so true. That gag about being only able to afford these second-rate X-Men. Just the – so, Dingus, I could understand – I'm just talking about the opening credit sequence and and how much – 
Right, but you're saying it would alienate. Right, right. You're saying it would insult the audience, and I, I just love how self-aware it is of how ridiculous the audience is, the studio system, itself, books in general, itself. itself. Yeah, yeah. Like, like what you call too precious by half, which I can't necessarily disagree with. It's very pleased with itself. Yeah. Um, I just call super self-aware. And those are kind of two sides of the same coin. And you can't way. you can't really argue whether you think. I mean, if I like, I thought when it said God's perfect idiot and showed the sexiest man alive cover, I laughed. Yeah, it was. Fun. It was I thought it was hilarious. But I can totally and see someone being put off by that level of self awareness and wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Look how clever I am. And if your audience wasn't into it, that's a different experience from what I had. Like it was killing. It's not. Oh wow! Bad. It's Germans that, love it. But I'm, I'm well, coming there to see your movie and. I, I don't know. I just don't feel like it walked the line. I mean, you guys had sure. a different experience, and I totally understand that. And I see what you're saying, Kelly. I don't find this movie funny. I don't find, and I love Ryan Reynolds. I think he's a he's hilarious. I think he's got great comic timing. Unfortunately, we don't get to see any of his face for most of the movie, and any of the breaking the fourth wall stuff is done through a mask, so it might, might as well my, not even occur. Thing is, so, that's my that's my riff. You're stealing my riff because I wanted to address that. All right, go ahead. Because I normally hate that, and I, I, and I completely understand. Like, part of this, this movie actually, I think, giving Tim Miller any credit, a first-time director, thing is before I think when we were talking about Jurassic World, uh, the Captain America guys, um, we've talked about like what happens when you get some first-time director and the studio gives them a big budget, and a, right. you know, a movie like this. And what you said, which I think is true, is that you get a first-time director in there. And he's not going to try to do anything counter to what the studios want. It's basically almost like a TV director. He's just setting things up in the studio or the actors or whoever the creative mastermind is. Uh, Trank, though, I love how he just completely burned his bridges. Like like these seem like these first-time directors, they kind of seem – and I don't mean this in a bad way, but they kind of seem like creative lackeys. Like they kind of do what they're told. And um, So I feel what the overarching creative – expression is here is two things uh the script from the zombie land guys and playing specifically to ryan reynolds strengths as an actor and his comic timing so dingus i i would normally be super annoyed with this movie that was specifically playing to the strengths of ryan reynolds as a comedic actor covers his face so much um but in the same way that i could appreciate like voice acting in a cartoon that's kind of how i was enjoying all of that behind the mask stuff, mm-hmm. uh, and they also they did a lot of CG on like his expressions, and uh, so it, it wasn't just like he was wearing a stupid mask, and it was a weird mask, by the way. I think Deadpool yeah. looks like a red elf. Yeah, uh, um, but they so, uh, red elf with rolled up eyes. I mean, I don't understand just the white eyes. eyes. Yeah, Kelly wanted to explain that to us because I like super the opposite of a shark size. Some superheroes, yeah, have like those white zombie eyes. What the heck is that? I'm not sure. Because that's in I comics, think, right? There's a lot of comics like that. Like, yeah, Spider-Man does too. Oh, it's so weird to me. You don't see his eyes, and they and they all they look like Raccoonie, and it's weird that they both have the same thing. But I thought he was like he had to do a lot of physical acting in the costume, which is hard to do. And I think I read that they had like a muscle one, but he was too muscular for the muscle suit, and it made him look too cut. So they had to like put him in a normal suit. And there was a lot. There was a lot of sort of physicality to uh, that. I think was part of the comedy. Um, you know, there was a lot of crazy wire work, and that's one thing. Um, well, there's physicality in his voice. I mean, the, yeah. the, the good thing about Ryan Reynolds is he knows how to use his voice properly. Right. So he it's, he can he can physicalize his voice. I don't know how to 
I don't know how to, to describe that, yeah. but, but, but his, his voice has a physical quality to it, which I think is really valuable and really, um, uh, charming and really warming. Um, but unfortunately, I think that the rest of the movie gets in the way of it for me. There's a, a really awful movie. I wish I could remember the name of it where Ryan Reynolds plays, uh, a guy who basically goes insane and, and murders people. Uh, and he is driven by, the imagined voice of his cat and his dog. Oh, uh, the Green, Green Lantern. No, no. Uh, but Ryan Reynolds. Oh, you're right, Kelly Wan. The voices, absolutely. And yeah. Ryan Reynolds does the voice of the dog and the cat, which, which I loved that. I mean, that, that the, it's, it's not a good movie, but it's great to watch Ryan Reynolds in it, talking to himself and doing different voices, and basically the voice acting that, that we're talking about here. Um, and he's super invested in this role. Well, of yeah. course he is. He's been he's been working on it since 2004. Yeah. And a producer that's, as well. Like, he's got money right. on it. I mean, that's why I say it's the Zombieland guy's script, and it's Ryan right. Reynolds playing, I guess, playing to his own strength. Like, I, mean, I feel imagine, like, he, you know, He's been working on this since 2004. That's amazing. Yeah. He's been wanting to get this made since 2004, which I am floored by. I mean, it, it's amazing because he read the comic book that said, you know, Deadpool says, my face looks like a cross between Ryan Reynolds and a Sharpay. And when he read that, he's like, oh, I want to play that part. Huh. So I what uh what did you guys then think of the the villain? We liked Ryan Reynolds, of course. <laughs> do you do you know who that is, Kelly Wand? By the way, Dignus no, Kirk I didn't. Notice. I, yeah, I know who that, that is. You know who that is? Oh, oh no, right, of course, Dignus. I keep thinking you don't watch shows that I'm thinking you don't watch, watch Game of Thrones. Are you right, you're with Game you're with Game, on Game of Thrones with us. I keep forgetting. Uh, so Kelly Wand, I'm surprised you don't know this. Dingus, tell Kelly Wand who that is. Uh, well, I don't know how to say his name. Denaris Mustafa. Oh, you! I wouldn't even know that. I was just going to say he's a guy who got booted off of Game of Thrones. Uh, yeah, because he, he was. Wait, what, he didn't get booted. He just got well, everybody uh, booted off of Game. Of I'm Game guessing of he got booted because you don't. You, you don't. A guy at his level of his at that point in his career isn't going to ditch a series. I don't. Think. Oh, I see what you're saying. But, but everybody. Wait, what character did. was it? The one that Dingus said, Dernarius Blablajistur. What happens? Wait, it's it's a uh, it's Khaleesi's boyfriend, the yeah, mercenary. Khaleesi's boyfriend with the long hair oh, thing the and, the, and the cool knives. Yeah, and he was replaced with this more oh. sort of uh, Hagar, doe-eyed looking, long-haired fella. Yeah. Um, uh, I forgot the character's name. He's yeah. also uh, the. Um, it's, it's oh wait, the D. It's like Darius. No- Darius Nohar. Dario Noharis. Ha! You know his name. Oh, how did you do that? He has blue hair in the books, and she's yeah. like, oh, he's really cool, except he's really hot, except for the hair. She's like, always. Oh, so not only that, he was also actually the replacement for, uh, although I don't remember when Statham did the last one, but he's the latest transporter. There was a <laughs> transporter. That's right, yeah. I what it was called, re- Rebound or something. I forget what it is. But the last transporter. Three visited or re-something. It, it is some terrible, yeah. They, they was like, we're not going to put a number here. We're just going to put a word. Uh but he, he's you, you watch him in that, and the guy is kind of funny and charming, but he's so out of his league as as the lead in a movie. Um, he he, like like you can tell he's got some talent, but when they do the fight choreography, a lot of it is cut around him, and he really looks ill at ease. Uh, and but but I did like him in this where he had a more supporting role. Uh, I thought he had really boring powers, but I really like movies about just characters who can't stand each other that's mm-hmm. another my little things and i got the sense that he and reynolds character hated each other yeah, you, yeah. you should definitely see the movie carnage then kelly carnage all right yeah. check it out wait what but the, the roman polanski thing yeah because about characters who can't stand each other 
Oh, 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 I see. Just if I, thought, I thought Ed Screen was involved in that or something. No, no, just about characters who can't stand right. each other. Is that the, the Bad Marriage movie? Or it's, a, it's basically a four-person parlor room drama. Right, uh, right, right. Play of power, like a power play kind of thing. That uh, right. no, sounds awesome. Who wrote Carnage? Like, uh, Do we know the play? Oh, God, I can't even imagine. Okay. But Polanski did the movie, and it's funny. It's supposed to be set in New York, but Polanski couldn't come to the U.S. to film it. So it's obviously like an apartment in Germany or something, and every now and then someone looks out a window, and they, they paste in a shot of New York. Uh, <laughs> um, I have a question, too. Is Francis really a bad name? I, I just uh, like the Kelly, Kelly Wan reference. I like the Kelly Wan reference, lighten up Francis. That's awesome. Yeah. Is that even that far back, like it's making fun of the fact the guy's name is Francis. I've yeah. always liked Francis as a name. I, I think, I think if you if your name Francis, and this goes to our listeners out there, if your name Francis, own it, embrace it. Yeah, that's fine. Oh, that's no cool no one likes it. It's the people who have it that don't like it. No one else cares. Well, no one likes his own name. I mean, yeah, but fine. Francis the Chainsaw in Summer School, that Mark Harmon movie, his real name was Francis, and he'd get upset if people called him that. See, I think my first Francis was actually a professor I really liked who had the girliest name, his full name, and this guy wasn't girly at all. He was this awesome, like, snowy-haired with a with a beard. Like, he was super uh, stereotypical profess- professorial. Uh, his name, Francis Christie. <laughs> Two <laughs> girls' names. And he owned that. Like, that was... Uh, all right, let's talk about poor little Gina Carano. Chris Christie. Oh, yeah, yeah, very good, exactly. But Chris is the boy's name. Christie's the girl's name. Yeah. But the double Christie. Can we eventually talk about whether um, – about? I mean, Tom, you talked about um, how you wish it had been more R. Uh-huh. Um, can we talk about the fact that it's R and – Sure. What that means? I mean, it, for kids who are, in, who are invested in this universe – and because I have a kid who's invested in this universe, it's not who, for kids. I mean, it's clearly well, not for kids. Yeah, obviously. Well, I, but but how about how about this? How about we have a Star Wars movie that's a um, Boba Fett spinoff? It's super hard R, and you're the 13 year old who can't go to it because and you're the 12 year old or the 10 year old who can't go to it. You can go with the Guardian. You can go with the Guardian. You can go with Hunger Games. You can go with. Um, the uh, no, no. I'm those, saying you can get into an R-rated movie if you're 13. If you have no, no, no. That, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that uh, that the people who brought you here, the kids who brought you here, who made these movies, the, the the possibility for this movie to be made is because the Marvel Cinematic Universe and the X-Men Universe has garnered an enormous amount of money because kids go to them, and suddenly so a kid can't see this. And what if what if it's a Star Wars movie and it's Boba Fett and it's super R-rated? What are you going to tell your kids? Well, that's, that's the, the Star Wars universe, I think. Dingus. And I think Star that Wars, fucking sucks. The Star Wars universe has way more thematic consistency. Like, comic books in general are a medium, and they're not a universe. Right. Uh, Deadpool No, they're making a, it into a universe. That's what they're doing. But there's, no, no. there's the Marvel, there's the, there's the Disney Marvel, and then this is the Fox Marvel. And yeah. there's also, by the way, there are plenty of comics that aren't for... Children. Right. There are plenty of superhero things that aren't Detroit for children. Marvel. Star Wars is a single unified mythos that one guy created. It's been historically very family friendly. But comics started, by the way, as as like there was, there was weird horror R-rated stuff. Uh, like comics weren't always superheroes. So there are some superhero comics that are going to incorporate more adult elements. Uh, and I love that it's a big enough genre that there are things that aren't for kids, that aren't PG-rated, that aren't kind of cleaned up and made family-friendly. Uh, you know, families could have Ant-Man as their 
superhero comedy, and I get Deadpool as my superhero comedy. Uh, yeah. And it's, it's got blood, it's got sex, even though it doesn't have enough. Uh, you know, there's enough room in this universe of comics that have all been unified under this one roof um, that, yeah, some of them I fully think should be R-rated and not for kids. Well, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I mean, maybe it's, it's just so my, 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 you know, it's my experience of having a kid who's seen all the X Men movies. And by the way, his tickets contribute to the fact that this movie can be made. And so, it's for me, there's no difference between the fact that if you have a Star Wars movie that suddenly, all right, we're going to have it super hard R. Fuck all of you kids. I mean, it's it's well, sucks. It's, again, I, was, I, would get, I would be with Kelly Wan and saying this isn't super hard R, and the R doesn't necessarily mean it does for you, Dingus. And oh, it's super. It is you. hard R. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm it's talking about R. covering Unicrono's breast and him not killing anyone yeah. who didn't deserve it. Whatever, killing. you have women in a gore- strip club that are totally nude. Just because the star doesn't That's get nothing. her breast shown. That's they not have, hard they, R, Dingus. This is not like a hard R is something that, yeah, they're, they're definitely you don't harder think R. It's hard R. I don't know what you're There's, not, there's about. nothing traumatizing about it. Yeah, like there's no. Like, he's for still you? a good guy. He's still a super good guy. <laughs> yeah, there's not, nudity, but he's still not. He's not much of an anti hero. You know, a hard R, Dingus would be like a Death Wish movie. Uh, like Grindhouse stuff, is those are hard R's, and they don't really make that sort of thing anymore. I think part of the R in this Deadpool is very much a sign of the times. Um, we don't yeah. see many hard R's, and certainly not American movies. Um, and no, it's not omnisexual. Like, it's not – that would have been an R possibility. They definitely pulled back. But I would say more to the Why point. Why is that even – I don't even – I don't agree with that, Kelly, just because something's omnisexual. Well, I just wonder why he's not. It's like, oh. If he would – yeah, imagine this would play – imagine – yeah, down. this in flyover country, and I'm sorry to be dismissive like that. You guys know what I mean. Who are listening? He could not. You could not have an omnisexual character. I, I, I think that would have been way too. Well, that has more to do with which homophobia. To me is the tragedy. That, that's political. Like, that's not. Uh, that's nothing. Right, right, right. But that's what I'm that's saying. Right. Is, yeah, I would have loved to have seen him be that boy. I mean, he yeah. gets he gets pegged in this movie. Come on. I don't even know what that means, but I have an idea. It uh, means that she anyway, puts on a dildo and she fucks him in the ass. There's a word that. Wow, I did not know that. Uh, the, 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 more to the point being is uh, an R rating, and I was going to say I really admire that you do this, and I like how you stick to your guns, and it's super cool. Um, an R rating doesn't mean 14-year-olds or 13-year-olds or 11-year-olds can't see it. It right. is just saying if you want a child to see this, the child has to be with a parent. It's okay for a child to see it, but we want parents to know we feel there's stuff in here that might be inappropriate right. for children. So I love, it. I love that you won't let your son see it, and I think you're, you're doing the right thing, but I imagine plenty of kids went to see this on opening weekend. Oh, yeah, I know, and you don't plenty of them are his friends, and I'm going right. to get – Total and, fucking shit about it. And that. you don't make $135 million without a bunch of kids coming out, too. I Absolutely right, yeah. So um, so anyway, that's, I, I, I appreciate the, the situation you're in, and because I live with you, I know what you're having to deal with, and I've talked to your son. And yeah, all of that sucks. But me, as a selfish moviegoer who wants a variety yeah. of, of types of fare – as far as comic book movies, yeah. I love that this was as R as it was, and I and this is all even more R. Yeah. yeah, there's and there's and we don't get many of these, so it's like your son and you get most. You get you already have the lion's share of the market, so at least let us have this one thing. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> it doesn't have to include it. You can have something that's not related. I mean, this, whether or not you, you guys admit, admit it, this is this is part of a whole Marvel Cinematic Universe right. and part of the X Men Universe. This is part of a of a whole thing that. And it's that not these the worst kids part, have grown up with. 
And it it is very much related to like Star Wars or the the Eclipse movies or the Hunger Games. And if you suddenly said to to some girl, yeah, you can't watch the last Hunger Games movies because it's – there's this is not yeah. This, this is Sorry. not young adult fiction. Fuck you're you. listing young adult fiction. This is not YA at all. And I actually have a question that might get to what you're talking about, Dingus. Kelly Wand, in the comics, d- does Deadpool drop f bombs? Uh, and if so, is there any disclaimer or is there nudity in the comics or gore? Is there anything in the Deadpool comics that says, "Hey, if you're 13, this might not be a comic for you"? Or do comics even have that provision? Sometimes there's these. There, Marvel has like an adult line where it uses the same heroes, like there's those Garth Ennis Punishers I was telling you about. The, he drops oh, right, tons right, of right. bombs. They're super gory, way way harder are than anything in Deadpool, and they're available. Like you can buy them at a bookstore without without a parent or guardian, and they're really good. I recommend them if you just watch Deadpool. <laughs> but, Tom, but so Marvel does do stuff where there are f bombs. Yeah. Before. This isn't like an like this is true to to the Deadpool. And, and you're right about Punisher. I'm yeah. totally realizing the Punisher stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I have to be oh, really careful. And it's great literature. Oh well, I wouldn't go that far. You have to be careful about. Well, it's fun to me. I'm, I'm just teasing. Dingus, you have to be careful about what? I have to be careful about the graphic novels I buy Kieran in. Uh, because you I mean you, you can get the youth ones that don't have so much sexuality or, or so much as the, the just is, every woman has huge boobs that are flying out of her costume and and they're using well, rough language. I mean you, you have to be careful about what graphic novels to buy, and I understand that. So, I mean I guess I should I guess I should understand what you guys are talking about. It's just really hard when a new big movie is coming out and your kid knows this is part of the X Men universe. I've watched every X Men movie. I can't watch this. And that's that. I won't be able to watch it for a few more years. But I know his but, friends are watching it, and he's going to watch it at one of their houses at some point. So, I mean, it really sucks. I mean, it really sucks. But that's part of being a kid, is getting away with stuff like that. The, yeah, that probably act. true. Probably true. We all did it. Didn't you do it? Didn't, Didn't I do what? No. Did you, I, when you were a kid, you wouldn't sneak off to someone's house and watch The Thing or something, or Evil Dead 2? Well, I, I, actually, yeah. I, I mean, I remember actually accidentally. So there you, go. you turned out fine. I, and I remember, too, being not told I couldn't see certain things. Like, I remember being told I yeah. couldn't see Alien, and, and that sucked. Uh, but it added steak to the movie, and it was like, when I was like, ah. Right. I think is what Kelly is telling you is that he this is going to make sure that your son enjoys Deadpool even more when he finally sees it. Right. Yeah, he's going to love it. He's going to be like, Dad, you're an idiot for not liking this movie. Yeah, and then you get to have that moment with him. And by the so way – Reynolds. Both of our listeners who contributed loved this movie just like you guys. You guys did. I think I, I, the thing is, it's so like I can't imagine like comic book dork types, the people who are into Marvel stuff who don't have the objections that you do, Dingus. Uh, I can't. I, I can imagine this probably went over very well. Uh, what kind of things did they say about it, Dingus? Uh, well, you know, Chris Markinson, um, he just he loved it. Grant Stewart loved it. Um, Chris, uh, although Chris does says does say uh, enough with Stanley. Oh my God! Yes. No. 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 Uh, Kelly Wan, how can you defend that? No. And Chris, no, and Chris says, good. "I know I that, the fan, that the fans are going to get mad at me, but he says he needs to go away already." That's oh, right. it was such a funny cameo. He's a fucking. There's no such thing, Kelly Wan. There's no such thing as a funny Stanley cameo. No, he was. Ah, I like him. <laughs> I want him in all of them. It's always a fun thing to look for. It's like a Hitchcock thing. It's an Easter egg. It's, it it's is content. not like a Hitchcock thing because that is it no is. subtlety. It's blunt. What? It's obvious. He's just doing, there's like 50 million of them now, and it's so. Uh, and he, the only one he's died in is Fantastic Four. And it's presaged in the credits, which you know it's coming. So I always. I don't know. I like them. They always. Uh, for you specifically, Tom, Chris wants to know why Tom Holkenberg. 
uh, used it that name instead of Junkie XL. Oh, I think. I mean, I don't think he's using Junkie XL anymore. I don't think Junkie XL is on the the Fury Road soundtrack, is it? I mean, I think it's he's, oh, gr- he's growing out of his his club DJ name uh, and maybe realizing that he is probably going to be nominated for an Oscar in the next several years. Uh, and he, who wants to say, and the and the winner is Junkie XL. You know, who wants to use like when you sign up for email, you don't want to use the original dopey internet pseudonym you used at one point. That's too embarrassing to give out. So I'm thinking that's what's going on with Tom. Wait, the transporter guy. What Tom, Tom Holkenberg is the guy who did the music for 300 Rise of an Empire oh, 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 or uh, oh, Fury Road. He's also done movies that you would have no idea that was him. He did Black Mass. To be perfectly honest, I this movie had so much like what do you call it? Found music or like like just pre-existing songs yeah, right. that I didn't really notice any Tom yeah, Holkenberg soundtrack. I didn't either. But the I know the second to the last song in the soundtrack is uh, something like I would like to sit on your face or a face I could sit on. Oh, uh, so so Chris also wants to know what what you guys think about the fourth wall breaking in this movie as opposed to movie the two movies he brought up were uh, the Big Short and Fight Club. Oh, it's part of the character from the comics, so it's more Fight Club though. It's a trick though. I mean, it is yeah, like it, it, it's his superpower, which is one yeah. of the things that oh, I wait I like what? About. What do you mean? What do I mean? I mean? It's a superpower. I don't. I don't know. Well, just that, that's the defi- I'm kind of being a little facetious, but that's the defining character of Deadpool. And actually, I should be. I should come out and I should be forthright with this. I, I know who Deadpool is from uh, from video games. Uh, there's a video game called Marvel Heroes, which is like a Diablo where you have different superheroes that you play. And the Deadpool one is constantly breaking the fourth wall and talking about how this is a game. And there's even a Deadpool pinball table. That's what um, I was going to ask. If there was a pinball table, yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, there's a little, there's even a crappy Deadpool game, like where you play him and you run around and shoot and fight, whatever, from several years back that uh, I don't think was any good. But it was actually praised for a voice actor named Nolan North doing funny lines in the script throughout. Uh, I don't think the game is any good, but the fourth wall breaking and the voice actor were uh, supposedly very good. So, yeah, as opposed to Fight Club, like Kelly once said, that's sort of a narrative trick. Uh, and Big Short, yeah, I don't know what to make of all that fourth wall breaking in Big Short. I, I mean, I, I was the Ryan Gosling. But you know what? Yes, Dingus. Now that you think of it, that whole let's bring in a celebrity to talk to the audience. I didn't care for that, but Ryan Gosling playing with the breaking the fourth wall was pretty good, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I didn't care for this. The, who is it? Selena Gomez. Oh my God! Oh, poor Selena Gomez. <laughs> I mean, not poor us, I should say. <laughs> <laughs> And so Grant Stewart says, uh, this is the last thing, and then we can move on to Gina Carano. Um, Grant Stewart wants us to know that Ryan Reynolds' bulldog from Van Wilder. Do you know what his name was? Uh, So this is definitely going to be a Kelly Wong, because I don't even, every now and then this comes up, not only do I not know who Van Wilder is, uh, but I keep forgetting that, that it's some, isn't it some National Lampoon, like, teen sex comedy or something? Yeah, it's a wannabe animal house. With right. It was actually sold by a dude uh, who actually lived it. Oh, like it's some guy's autobiography? Yeah, kind of. And he's, like, I think he's on some, some, What's some podcast. Like, he might be on Doug Loves. I don't know. But, uh, but yeah. Uh, so the Van Wilder dog. Of fraternity. Ryan Reynolds' Van Wilder dog is named Colossus. Oh, that's sweet. <laughs> so anyway, uh, that's, um, that's interesting. Yeah, um, go ahead with uh, Gina Carano now. 
Yeah, so I, I poured a little huh. Gina Carano. I mean, I loved how, uh, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but I loved how thick she looked, and not just buxom. I mean, that, that was super hot, but she looked really like hearty and substantial, and uh, and just like like I love that a woman can look like that. And I don't know if she'd put on weight or something, or if that's just how she looks when she trains. But man, she just looked awesome. But Oh my God, the poor girl's delivery. I just feel awful for her. That's why they gave her a matchstick. So she... <laughs> I guess so. Right, right. No, just keep your mouth closed on this so it doesn't fall. <laughs> I mean, I just feel, and especially after she's... seeing that movie, uh, there's, she's in a movie uh, called Extraction, which is a, a, a buddy cop romantic comedy action movie where it's her and Kellen Lutz. And I yeah. just what? I, I think I've mentioned this before. Yeah, it's her and Kellen Lutz, <laughs> sure. and they. They fight crime, and Kellen Lutz's dad is played by Bruce Willis, who's in like two scenes. Oh my god! So he gets kidnapped, and Kellen Lutz has to team up with Gina Carano That's to rescue. Taken, but with a girl. Uh, and with the son rescuing the father, and nothing like taken. But yeah, other than that, correct. Do you guys uh, remember the um, Jeremy Irons Die Hard movie? Is it the third one? Yeah, yeah. that is the third one. Right, right. With uh, Samuel Jackson. Zeus. Right. Uh, there's a moment in that where uh, where Bruce Willis is in one of these black suburbans with a bunch of dudes, and Jeremy Irons is Skyping in or talking into them. And he says, is Agent so-and-so still having that toothpick in his mouth so he appears butch? <laughs> and that's all I could think about whenever I saw Gita Carano with that matchstick in her mouth. And it turns out to just be Chekhov's matchstick, basically. Right, right, right. Again. Yeah, a good one. Yeah, a good yeah. one. And it was, uh, it was a Culper reference. That was funny. A what reference? Oh my god! It, you might a what? Be right. yeah. Normally, I would say no, but you might be right. No, it's, it's right. It's a throwaway. What? Yeah, it's Francis is gagging him, and he's like, "Is that something, something, or are you just a big Stallone fan?" And oh then, my god, you're right, Kelly Wand. I didn't. Yeah. I, I was pretty sure I got all the jokes, but See? that was one of them. Explain to me. That's a great one. Uh, Cobra, choose a matchstick. Uh, Sylvester Stallone movie, Cobra. We oh, you're Cobra right. Day, the cop. Yeah, crime's right. the disease. He's the cure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, did they get a Cobra reference in a throwaway in a Marvel superhero movie? As you're getting gagged, like no one's right. e- like the one person who's going to get it has to hear that. I don't know. Well, the thing is, here's a question, and I don't know because this this to me, I think if this line works for you, you're going to like Deadpool. If it doesn't work for you, you're not going to like Deadpool. Writing bad writing. So my theory, uh, not to say good writing, bad writing, because I love writing this. Like, if does this joke work for you? If yes, see Deadpool. If no, don't see Deadpool. So Dingus. When he's getting dragged away to the X-Men thing, and he says, Stuart or McAvoy, did that work for you? Of course. I laughed my head off. Oh, well, the thing is, why didn't you – you should like Deadpool. Uh, because it alienated the person I was seeing the movie with. I mean, a lot of the, a lot of the jokes in this movie alienate a large part of the Well, well that's all – that's going to be all pop culture references. Thing. It's like pop – like cultural references are, are – and this is super specific with this cultural references. Um, like this is but super I, targeted humor, so you're, you're right, right there. And so I don't – like you say alienate, I would say – and again, it's the flip side of the same coin. I would say super targeted. Um, well, I think that I – for me, the movie just sinks under the weight of those pulp co- – I mean, I mean, there's so oh, many of them, and I think that so many of them are just – No, I love that I shit. That, I, I think, love slow laughers much, in the back. I, I, I think that's people. lazy. I, I don't like that. I don't no, like that. What? It's more effort. It's more you hassle to put those Target it. You make it targeted. You don't, you don't just throw them out like – that's like what I'm saying. Is it is, it is, birds. 
But I'm saying it is targeted. Like it's all about people who know, who follow X-Men. It's all about people who would have watched stupid action movies like Cobra. Um, and they're paying attention to the movie. And who know the movie Wham? I mean, I know the band Wham. Sure, yeah. Honestly, I mean, I think it's just too much. I mean, it's guys. I, mean, I love cultural references, and and if you're talking about breaking the fourth wall, I wouldn't talk about either Big Short or um, or Fight Club. I would talk about Kiss Kiss Bang Bang as somebody. Dingus, quit really... steaming my over. Oh my god, Dingus, steaming my over. So let's move on. Oh no no. No, no, we can't. Yeah, yeah, because that's because I was thinking the sense of humor, the breaking of the fourth wall, the self awareness. Um, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang isn't so much. It's it's not at all like pop cultural targeted geek stuff. Like, hey, let's get all the comic book dorks to come see our movie. It's much more. Hey, let's let Shane Black just loose to do whatever he wants. Um, right. And I think Shane Black, hugely funny, very good writer. Uh, so that would be my over, because it's a, another example of that. This kind of humor, that breaking of the fourth wall, that self-awareness, um, some people might think too precious, but super effective for me. The cast was just – I think everybody in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang is in top form. Right. Um, there's no like, oh, poor little Gia Carano. There's like no little weak points like that. Uh, uh, so yeah, that, that's definitely my over. What, what's something that you guys thought – was and by the way, I'm bracketing it closely. I quite like Deadpool. Oh wow! because like wow, I, I thought about Kiss Kiss, but I love that so much, and I it yeah. can't be close to the bracket. I, well, I just think me... that Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, with as 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 goofy as he gets at the end, with all the uh, stuff where he's talking to the camera, I still think it's more disciplined than this movie. Oh sure, that's fair enough. Yeah. yeah. Well, let me then give you my under just to give you a sense for how much I'm bracketing it. All right, uh, I really like Iron Man three. I didn't care for one and two. I thought two was terrible. I didn't understand why everybody's into one. I guess you had to be a comic book guy. I really liked Shane Black's sensibility Oof. in three. So this was uh, slightly over Iron Man three, slightly under Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Wow, I am shocked because I think Iron Man three is head and shoulders way above this. But well, I respect hey, the fact right. that like, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, and by the way, oh yeah, I was gonna say R rated. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang definitely R rated, but uh, not Iron Man three. Yeah, yeah, Iron Man three. Not. <laughs> uh, Dingus, what are your over and under? Then I'm expecting these are gonna be this is gonna be pretty low. Well, I'm bracing myself. They're gonna be pretty low. It would be uh, the over would be uh, X Men Origins Wolverine. Oof. I Although I haven't seen oof. that. Well, yeah, you can say if you want. Um, oh my god. To be, to be fair, it is by the director of Ender's Game. Um, oof. Talk about oof. But. I, I just I love the promise of Ryan Reynolds in the opening part of that movie, and and what uh, Danny Houston is saying to him about like um, <laughs> you'd be the perfect soldier if I could just shut you the fuck up. And then and you know one of the many thousands, ten thousands of things in Deadpool that are that are referential is is a little doll that is his little doll from that movie. I mean, there's a ton of those things in this movie. It, and again, I think it sinks under the weight of those things. Um, but I, I quite liked, uh, and, and part of it is that I think it's, it's pretty weak to, uh, well, let's create another X-Men that can heal. Well, gee, and then let's make a bunch of Wolverine jokes and then I'll wear a Wolverine mask cause he can heal too. I mean, honestly, Stan Lee, come up with another hero. Jesus. This is Stan Lee. Stan Lee. Oh, Stan Lee. Yeah. <laughs> Stan Lee showed he up. He just shows up to do. Right. <laughs> yeah, he, he, just rakes in, he just rakes in the money. Uh, right. I think he's on. Uh, yeah. Whatever. If, I have, come up with a mutation that's not, <laughs> I, I can have ultimate healing and grow a baby hand when, when Wolverine can already do all that fucking shit. Can Wolverine yes. break the fourth wall? Is he that strong? No. No, good point, actually. That's a very good point. I have a question, Dingus. Is it yeah. actually called X-Men Origins Wolverine? 
Yeah, X-Men colon Origins dash Wolverine. Ew. Because they were trying to do a whole bunch of origin stories. I thought it was called Wolverine Origins for some reason. Uh, there is one. I mean, the the Wolverine that that you guys loved with the sam with the titanium samurai is yes. That one. What is that one called? Wolverine. Wolverine. It's just Wolverine. 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 It's, it's just Wolverine? called the Wolverine. Yeah. 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 Okay. It doesn't have all that other cruft on the title. Okay. So the under my under would be the movie that I saw this week called Greenland. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you watched that. So the thing is, Ew. as a Ryan Reynolds fan, just because I enjoy his comic timing, I even liked watching crappy things like The Voices. He's in, by the way, this really weird, um, also very meta kind of movie called The Nines. Kelly Wan, do you know that movie? No. I would think it you would like, like that. Voices. All right. Yeah. And super hot Hope Davis appearance, by the way. All um, right. Mm. But, uh, uh, so sorry, Dingus, I, I, I cut you off. Uh, no, 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 so, I, yeah, no, no, I wanted to know, should I, as a Ryan Reynolds fan, see Green, Green Lantern? Lantern? No, please don't. It's a pain in the ass. And even and Peter Sarsgaard is in it, and he's un- underused. I mean, it's, is he the villain? Yeah. Dingus is selling me on this. I think Mark, I saw 20 minutes of it on cable once. And Mark Strong like, is uh, in it as well? Dingus, you're totally selling me on this. Uh, it's really Clark hard to watch. It's hard it's, to watch. It's so hard to watch, but Green Lantern is a shitty hero, I think. Because he has a magic ring, right? That's all he can I think get. he has a magic ring. I, I do it's like, because I never game. understood when we were playing the games, but like, why can't he just make a chainsaw? What the fuck is going on with that ring? But, but, they, but they talk about the constructs, and your constructs are weak. Mark Strong is really good in it, and you can see them setting up future movies and setting him up as Sinestro and, and all the things that they're doing. I mean, you can see what they're trying to do, but it's just so incompetently directed, and it's just, I mean... The cartoon giant green chainsaws. I mean, that's just not very. <laughs> it's just not very. It sounds scary. like a mask. It's, just, it's silly. Taken seriously without yeah, jokes. Yeah, that's a that's Are a very you? good analogy, Kelly. It is very mask like. Oh, well, that's how you, that's too. how you make me not want to see it. Okay. Yeah, it's not. It, I, I really don't. You think didn't it. get along with the director. It was the guy who directed Casino Royale, and I guess he and Ryan Reynolds. Casino Royale. Is it? Yeah. Martin Campbell. Oh no no, I'm sorry, I was thinking Casino. Martin Scorsese, right? Okay. Yeah. The other Martin. It's really not worth watching. It's really, it's pretty much a mess. Um, Ryan Reynolds does his best. I mean, he's always game. Um, Is he allergic to yellow in that movie? Because that's something about the hero in the comics. I always found. Well, it's it's two different things. It's you know, green is will, and and yellow is fear. And fear. Yeah. It sounds so dumb. <laughs> it it is super dumb. Anyway, you guys go ahead. All right, Kelly Wand, you're, you're over. Dingus is over was X-Men Origins Wolverine. I can't believe it's called that. His under was Green Lantern. My over is Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. My under is Iron Man 3. Kelly Wand, what do you got, and did you bracket for us? Kind of. I tried to be thoughtful, which mm-hmm. is always a mistake. Um, but my over <laughs> is Super, which is what I, w- I think nice. I wish Deadpool had been. Like, that's the R-rated superhero movie I would Yeah, me say. too. I totally agree with you. Know, you. You know why that's an awesome pick is because... James Gunn does Super, and then he does Guardians of the Galaxy. And they're both – like one is kind of a deconstruction of superheroes, and one is this loving expression, which even guys like me who are like, ah, comics. Like even guys like me totally melted for. Um, Oh, nice pick, Kelly Wand. We all did. See, Dingus, see how much Kelly Wand likes uh, Deadpool? Yeah, I see how much he likes it. Less than Super. He's going to be touching himself tonight. Did you guys – speaking of touching yourself, did you guys know there's a movie – where Ellen Page and Julianne Moore play a romantic couple. Yeah, yeah. Because they're they're trying to help, you know, it's a healthcare and Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean it's, yeah, who cares about that stuff? But I was like, wow, that's 
you know, them being together. Who else cares about it? It's kind of it's hotter than Mara Rooney and uh, Kate Blanchett, I'll say. And Carol. Wait, uh, how far do they go? Well, maybe you'll just have to see it. No, just tell me. Uh, well, they go. I mean, you know, they're, they're making out and stuff. Like, what do you? I mean, they're a loving couple. It's All not, right, I'll it's watch not a, it. It's not a Cinemax movie. No, but, no, it's uh, a, it looks to be quite touching. Yeah, but it looks a little movie of the week, I'm afraid. Yeah, it's definitely a Lifetime movie, not Cinemax kind or of Lifetime. Uh, oh, it's it's definitely that kind of thing. But it they just they're both good actresses, and watching them play a, a loving couple is kind of hot in a way. Yeah, and and they and I think Junkie XL does the music. <laughs> That would be something. All right, so Kelly one, your over is super. What is your under? What's something that's not quite as good as Deadpool? Uh, This is probably the less creative choice, but I went with Fantastic Four just because it was like the last (laughs) Fox movie with a first-time director. (sighs) Which one? Josh Trank is not a first-time director, though. Well, it looked like it. One, two, three, not only you and me, got one made it up for you, and I'm caught between them. One, two, three, By the way, by way of segueing into this week's 3 by 3 Kelly Wand, as an origin story about his name, is this from the yeah. comic? Like in the in the the way it works out in the movie, is that also in the comic? Uh, no, because no one knows how he got that name. Oh, so they made up something from okay. Or I'm wrong. Vegas, I think you'll be with me on this. I think it didn't have enough T.J. Miller. Yeah, oh, definitely. He was really good in this. He survived it too. Unlike he Chris was subdued, Warman. and he yeah. was really funny. He's like, uh, I'd go with you, Wade, but I don't want to. Right, right, right. Yeah, <laughs> that was great. See, Dingus, their lines, you should like this movie more. So, but we're saying it laugh. needed more T.J. Miller. Like, yeah, if you're yeah. going to get T.J. Yeah. Miller, boy, take full advantage of that. Because uh, he was, I thought he added a lot to Age of Extinction, uh, to Transformers movie. Oh, yeah, definitely. Right. I'm, I'm totally Thanks, with you on that. I'm... from the cornfield. Yeah. But he gets killed off in that really early. Spoiler, hello. Jesus. Oh, what? I can't We're going to have to bleep that. Great. Yeah. Uh, you get a spoil- All right, so... It's- Speaking of uh, titles of movies, uh, Dingus, what is this week's 3 by 3 What do you got All for right. us? This, this week's 3 by 3 is the title of the movie said within the movie, and I excluded you guys using names of characters. So you can't use Hamlet or Caroline, uh, uh, which is also not also a movie. not a movie, right, right. Yeah. Um, or, uh, you can't it, use, for instance, Barry Lyndon. Right. right. What right. about Excalibur? They don't ever say. Oh no, they, I'm sure they do. Say yeah, it. they say it a shitload of times. Excalibur. You sounded just like Nicole Williamson. Jeez, are we in Seven Samurai all of a sudden? Excalibur. Yeah, it's, it's your favorite uses of the title <laughs> of the movie said within the movie. And I was hoping for like more like conceptual ideas. Oh, man, I, might, ahead. I might be in super trouble on this one. Me too. Oh good. But I'm hoping the listeners will redeem us. I'm polishing my badge as they oh, say. Oh gosh. Oh gosh. It's All right, so well, Kelly Wand, you're introducing next week's topic, so start us off with your third favorite uh, title said in a movie. Uh, I like it. Okay, I'll do a line from it. <laughs> Dude, where's my car? <laughs> okay, have to guess. What's mine say? Sweet. 
I forgot, I forgot how to do the whole who's on first. I just remember the what's mindset. Sweet. They are Abbott and Costello. Yeah. But obviously Ashton's the Abbott. I, I, you know what the funny thing is, like, people make fun of that movie. Both of them have gone on to do really cool things. And you guys don't agree. You guys aren't the Ashton Kutcher apologist that I am. I saw Jobs, so what the fuck are you talking about? I'm talking about Spread. <laughs> spread with the Anne Butterfly Hayes. Effect. Butterfly Effect, everybody's uh, like, yeah, everybody acknowledges he's no, decent in that. The no. wrestling movie that I tell you guys about, uh, where he's a wrestler who dates Michelle. Uh, you always tell me that there, there's a great wrestling movie with someone. You said that about Danny McBride. You said that about Billy Bob Thornton. Not, first of all, it's not wrestling with Danny McBride. It's something like t- Taekwondo or something. Hmm. Uh, all right. Back it's called, it's Foot Fist Way. Yeah. yeah. Spread. So any, anyway, I, your, your dude wears my car pick. It's, it's kind of amazing how far William Sean Scott – did I actually get it right? William Sean Scott? Sean William Sean Scott. William Scott, Chloe how, Grace Moritz. She's not in Dude Wars My Car. Uh, but it's great how far they have come since then. <laughs> that wasn't really what I was trying to say. I wasn't trying to say anything. All right, so Kelly Wan, what is the moment where they actually say the name of the movie? When they can't find the car, which is uh, about 20 minutes in. Mm-hmm. Something that's interesting about that movie is that they – that Ashton Kutcher had sex with uh, Christy Swanson's character the night before, but they still have girlfriends. But that doesn't—he didn't see that as cheating on her or anything. And then remember, at the end, they're all back remember in Jurassic World where the creepy teenagers like scoping out all these other chicks? Yeah, and his girlfriend is back at home. Yeah. I knew you were going to bring up Jurassic World. <laughs> and then the brothers like, I think our parents are getting divorced. Tom's like, how dare he flirt with those girls? I hate him. He well, he was. Yeah. Why is he scamming on he first off he has no shot with him. He's also <laughs> Alright, Kelly Wan, dude, where's my car? Good pick. Uh Dingus, yep. he's not in trouble for that one, I guess. Hey, Kelly, oh, no, that's no, not that's... the one Okay. As long as it actually appears in the movie, I don't know. I, I have to take his word for it that it appears twenty minutes in that somebody says dude Dingus, where's do you my not car? know the, do you not know dude where's my car? Because you're a William Scott you're that you're apologist. an apologist to that guy from Goon. Oh yeah, I think he should have won Best Actor that year. But yes. I've not seen Dude, Where's My Car? I think you should work on that, Dingus. Then the response is, where's your car, dude? And then they say that for a few times. Because that's, uh, that's one of their things they really, do. Now you guys can do that bar scene from They Came Together. Ugh. Moving on. There's, also, there's a Bay Lane character in Dude, Where's My Car? Uh, so awesome. Okay, okay moving on. That? Moving how come, on. How come no Tom. one voted for, uh, for, for uh, that movie? What movie? Uh, dude, where's my car? How come that didn't get any support in our fundraiser? I'm, I'm disappointed. We'll see. Maybe this coming week. All right, my number three pick. Here's here's the here's a line from it. Are you ready for this? We'll see in the coming week. I I, I like it in the cut. Uh, Wait, let me guess. <laughs> only Dingus would get this. Let's let's see what Kelly Wand has. Dingus. Yes, Kelly Wand. Midnight Cowboy. Uh, oddly enough, the movie's called In the Cut. Mm. Uh, so in the cut is this this I think widely reviled uh, maybe you might call it a psychosexual thriller kind of thing except that it is directed by Jane Campion who uh, takes a very frank candid approach to its sexuality furthermore it stars Meg Ryan uh, who you don't expect to be in this kind of movie and Mark Ruffalo the the beauty of this movie is that they're both very very good. They're very comfortable with each other. They're very comfortable with with nudity, with very frank dialogue. Um, 
And uh, I, I love watching them in this, and it's a, it's a cool mystery. Jane Campion, uh, it's, it's beautifully shot. It has this sense of uh, paranoia and menace that I think you might find in, in 70s movies. Uh, and the, the uh, title is never really explained, but at some point late in the movie, they're having sex, uh, and they're doing like dirty sex talk. And she's like, do you like this? Do you like this? And he's like, yeah, I like it in the cut. And he's like, that is clearly like a reference to a woman's, uh, you know, you can imagine. Right. Uh, Say it. Uh, it's a medical term. Vagina. The, the, the term Tom is using is, uh. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's more polite. Uh, but I just and that's the title of the movie it's, it's a throwaway line you almost can't hear it because there's a lot of like grunting and, and thrusting and stuff around uh, around the dialogue in the scene but he just has that one simple delivery which is referring to get it yeah uh, no Kelly Wand I do not <laughs> simple delivery uh, so there's my number three pick, is uh, in the cut, which is something like 14% on Rotten Tomatoes, by the way, which I think is hilarious. Oh, you're kidding me. No, no, in the cut. That's why I say it's widely reviled. I think you and me, Dingus, are the only oh, ones. Oh, man, I love that movie so much. Yeah. Hmm. Dingus, what is your third favorite instance? Oh, and I know I'm not in trouble for that one. It's my number two where I think there are going to be problems. So get ready, Dingus. <laughs> we'll take a laxative. All right, so my number three uh, – this is I don't I, this is a movie where the first time I saw it I wasn't sure when uh, when the character actually proclaimed the title of the movie it felt like such a weird moment but this is a specific um, style of a director and this is Mike this is a Mike Lee movie um, so like uh, this is this is the movie Secrets and Lies and. Uh, this movie was nominated for a uh, best screenplay this year, and many people are like, "What? Why?" Because your actors all um, improvise all the dialogue. What's going on? Why is this nominated for best screenplay? When, but and 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 attributed just to you, by the way. When by and large, what you do is you set a framework, and everybody just talks, and then you edit everything and put it all together and you shape a movie based on what goes on within the framework of your structure, um, which I'm fine with. I have no problem with that. It was just weird for a lot of people to see that nominated for a screenplay nomination. Um, but, but there was a moment in that movie where, uh, where this character has this amazing, it's, it's this, it's this actor named Timothy Spall. And he has this amazing um, monologue uh, I don't know if you guys. I, I assume you have seen Secrets and Lies at least. Oh yeah, yeah, I love this pick. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, so it has this wonderful, um, this wonderful plot about about adoption and about this this mother who uh, left a child for adoption many, many, many years before, and she's in a in this weird domestic situation with her son and her daughter. And, and her family overall. And the girl that she left for adoption, who is black, and they're all this lower class or middle class, English, she's lower class, and like downwardly mobile, I think is something I saw, uh, describing her, um, and relying on her relatives to keep her afloat. Um, uh, they're all in this really difficult domestic situation that they're just, basically 
keeping their head above water. And this this girl that she gave up for adoption years upon years ago uh, is this this woman who becomes uh, an ophthalmologist. I think she becomes a doctor, uh, but she's black and she she wants to find her ado- her mother who left her for adoption, and she she finds her and she convinces her to come and meet with her and then she becomes a part of that family and at this at this moment in this awful difficult really horrible domestic situation timothy spall gives this beautiful monologue where he's talking about how hard he's worked to please all of them all of these people in his life his family in his life and um and this new this new daughter who's come into his life, uh, this new, she's a woman. She's not a new daughter. She's basically, she's going to be a part of their family now. And, and he just, he basically screams this monologue where he says, um, where, where's the bolt of lightning secrets and lies. We're all in pain. So why can't we share that pain? I spent my entire life trying to make people happy. And the three people I love the most in the world hate each other's guts. And it's just this, this moment where I remember watching this movie in a theater and seeing Timothy Spall yell that, that line, secrets and lies, which is, which until this moment you just think it's going to be uh, a thematic idea of the movie. But he actually, he actually says it. And in a Mike Lee movie, I wonder if when he says that movie, Mike Lee didn't just say, that's the title of the movie. I mean, I have no idea if that's the fact, but I love that moment looking back because at the time I was so it was so jarring to hear him yell secrets and lies at that moment yeah I'm thinking because I don't think uh I don't think David Dewis or anybody ever says naked like in naked right, right. and I don't think in happy-go-lucky even though it's obvious it's a reference to uh her uh her outlook and her sort of demeanor I don't think anyone ever says she's happy-go-lucky right uh so I'm, I'm trying to think yeah Mike Lee seems to have these elliptical ideas for like what to name his his movies, uh. and so that's why it seems so obvious to me at the time, and why I love it so much. Because over the years, every time I think about this particular topic, this this thing comes back to my head. That guy yelling in this in this moment, secrets and lies. Um, it just struck out for me so much. And by the way, I'm totally okay with these getting screenplay nominations because – and I'm sure you are too, Dingus. But what goes on uh, – because it's great listening to David Dewis, by the way, talk about how they shot naked – is they improvise and then they do the scene again and they do it again. And a screenplay definitely forms itself. It's not like right, – right. it's basically like stage rehearsing a play without the dialogue written in and the dialogue occurs naturally. Uh, and they eventually, through improv – create a script that they use to shoot that establishes dialogue. So it's not an improv movie in the same sense that whose line is it anyway is improv sketch comedy. Yeah. Right, but giving one person credit for it still seems weird. Uh, fair, oh, yeah, right, right. Fair enough, Dingus. Right, exactly. When it's a collaborative effort between the actors. Yeah. Right. Uh, all right. So, uh, Kelly Wan, what is your second favorite uh, titles of a movie set in a movie? My number two movie thing in a movie from the title and said in the dialogue would be Go, because... Uh, I can't wait to... Yeah, I'm so glad you're going to get in trouble to clear the way for my number two pick. Go ahead, Kelly Wand. Uh, In Go, Mm -hmm. when they say it, it's always the right decision. So it, like, leads you... They never say Go. They say Go. Yeah, in Go. Like, well, they might say, like, I'm going to go over here and get a sandwich. Do you want one? No, Jay Moore tells her... When she gets to the house, 
because they're uh, she's there to buy ecstasy, right? But it's actually a drug bust. So as he goes past her, and you don't see it till the third chapter of the anthology, he's like, "Go." Oh, okay. I guess I didn't remember that. Darn. So you're not going to get in trouble. But then also, there's car chase where they go. They say "go" a lot, <laughs> a bunch of times. Like someone's yelling in the car, like "go, go, go," as if right, like that kind and of thing. Then, yeah. Okay. Right. And then also, when they hit her later with the car, they also go go. But specifically, yeah. Jay Moore whispering "go" is your pick. Yeah. We don't see a lot of Jay Moore in our three by threes, do we? No. Yeah. So, Dingus, you don't want to get him in trouble or anything? You don't have any... You don't, you don't want to question no, no, him? that's fine. So They're Dingus, both vehicular-related, in a way. Speaking of vehicular-related, Dingus, real quick, tell me again the, the, the topic. The title of the movie said within the movie. So, basically, you're saying the topic is the title of the movie in the movie? Title of the movie said within the movie. Do you have something where it's... Uh, the uh, it's printed on something? Well, uh, maybe. Well, it certainly wouldn't be a character's name, I would suggest. No. Okay, so here you go, because it's not a character's name. Uh, this is never said out loud. And by the way, the reason I, uh, the reason I love this topic is because normally I hate when uh, – I love when a movie has a title that is not said in the movie where you have to think about why is the movie called that. Right. Like that's left up to you in the, in the audience. Um, so mostly, I don't like when movie titles are said. In this movie, the title is never said out loud. Uh, so that, I might be in trouble there. However, the moment the title appears is super important. And I went back and looked at it and learned a couple of things that actually I don't think I remembered or maybe never even realized. But in the movie Sorcerer, uh, these dri- Kelly Wan, stop laughing. These drivers have to drive trucks full of nitroglycerin through the treacherous jungle. Um, and there's a point in the movie where they have to they have to go through this truck junkyard and find which trucks they're going to pull out and repair for this perilous journey. They're in some horrible pit of an unspecified third world country in South America. So they're going through looking at all these rusted, broken down trucks, and they discover one that is called Lazaro. And it's called that because it's named, like apparently in South America, they name their trucks. It's printed on the hood, Lazaro, which is Spanish for for Lazarus, which makes perfect sense in the context of the plot, where these guys have had terrible things happen in their lives, and they've had to retreat to this small town, and this option to drive these trucks full of nitroglycerin to do this perilous mission is a second chance for them, a kind of a resurrection. Uh, So Lazaro is the first truck they get, and there's an awesome montage of these guys like repairing the truck and and fixing things up and putting lights on it and you know doing the timing of the engine and all this crazy like machinery stuff and you're, they're fixing two trucks they paint on the back of them the word pelagro which is danger in Spanish which I thought was the name of one of the trucks the name of the trucks aren't pelagro that's that's on the back of both of them meaning danger for the nitroglycerin so one of them's called Lazaro and you see that the trucks leave. You don't know what the other one's called. The trucks leave, they're driving, and then at one point, very clearly, and I'm convinced that Friedkin completely knew what he was doing about when he unveiled this. When the second truck, the one not called Lazaro, takes off, you see on the hood of it a little drawing of what looks like Pazuzu, the demon from, from The Exorcist. It's totally a Pazuzu outline. The truck drives on, 
And then later you see it enter the frame during one of the montages of the trucks driving around it, driving around, and you see stenciled on the side of it. These men didn't paint this there. This, the truck came with this name, the word sorcerer. And the first time you see that, and that's the truck that's not Lazarus. That's the one spoiler, by the way. It's going to blow up and instantly kill the two men in it. Uh, when it clears the frame, there is a shot of this demon sculpture, of like like some sort of Mesoamerican demon carved in rock behind where the truck was. Um, so I love that. That's the reveal of the title truck. That's the one that's going to kill the two men. It's clearly related to some kind of demonology. Uh, and if you read more into the script, this isn't ever said in the movie, by the way. Sorcerer refers to this local superstition that when men died, a sorcerer, a necromancer, would breathe life into their bodies and give them uh, false life. It wouldn't be real life. It was They would become like the walking dead. The sorcerer was a kind of a necromancer. It's not in the movie. That's just part of the script that if you read about it, it's in the novelization, which is where I first heard it. Uh, mm. You find out more about what the sorcerer is. But even if you don't know that, I love the fact that once you find out the name of this truck, it's it's associated with uh, demon imagery. Um, Wait, so, think, so it's part of the exorcist mythos? Well, I don't well, – sorcerer, sorcerer would have been after the exorcist. Right. Uh, I, it, clearly, the little drawing on the, on the hood of the truck is a Pazuzu thing. I don't know if it's part of the same mythology, but it's definitely William Friedkin – playing with this idea of something demonic. I mean, there's, I remember as a kid seeing Sorcerer and being super disappointed that there wasn't like a magician or a magic user or something in it. Uh, I went to see it because there was that awesome poster of the truck leaning on the bridge and it was called Sorcerer, so of course you think, oh, there's going to be a it's wizard in there. A bridge spell. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. And there's nothing like that. But I do think it is Friedkin sort of tying in this, this local superstition and this demon imagery uh, he's, he's connecting it very loosely to like a bridge, uh, like a, like a rickety bridge, Kelly Wand. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. And the so, trucks is metaphor. Thing is, they never say sorcerer out loud, so I don't know if I'm trouble, but if I'm in trouble, but I'm throwing myself at the mercy of the court on this one. You you need no mercy. This is perfect. Uh, I think the word say in this regard. Um, I think with film language, I think you can use that. The awesome. trucks saying it. The trucks don't talk, Kelly Wand. No, the filmmaker is saying it. I think that's fine. I think, and yeah. I think that perfectly understands the the spirit of this topic. All right. So, Dingus, then, what would be your second favorite? Uh, not quite as good as your number one choice, but better than the Secrets and Lies topic. <laughs> it's, All right. Here's a quote yeah. from it. That's why every trick has a third act, the hardest part, the part uh, we call the prestige. Interstellar. Oh. No, it's not called Die Interstellar. It's called the Prestige. <laughs> Um, oh and God. the reason the reason I love this so much um, uh, is because I had no idea going into this movie what the fuck that title meant because right. I don't know magic. I have no idea about that world. Um, I've watched a couple of shows here and there. I don't really care for magic that much, other than seeing it in person. I don't understand watching it on TV because that, that makes no sense to me. Um, uh, but I've I've been to the Magic Castle. I've seen some up-close magic, and I like that stuff. You also think, as I, I just think the listeners should know, you've got a Doug Henning poster in your in your bedroom. I mean, you're not super into it, but what? you like it enough to have it <laughs> Yes, yes, definitely. Wait, that, what's he doing? That's nothing to do with this. He's just one of my idols for hair. I couldn't stop. I could, couldn't do that without laughing. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Dick. No worries. Um, and so going into this movie, I had no idea what that title meant. I thought it was just something about the word prestigious. I had no idea that 
prestige has anything to do with magic. And so that opening sequence of the movie, uh, and this is, this is unlike Secrets and Lies in that the movie immediately reveals, well, not immediately, but within the, the first sequence reveals why it's called that, but then it continues to reveal why it's called that. And, and for a very good reason, it continues to reveal why it's called that. So, you know, so Michael Caine starts talking to you and telling you, you know, a trick has, has, a magic trick has three parts to it. It has the pledge, where, you know, you're, you're shown something extraordinary and, and, um, or shown something normal, and you have the turn, where something extraordinary happens to that thing, and then you have the pledge, where it's returned to you. And the way that the title of the prestige keeps giving as the movie goes on and as you get into the layers of the movie uh, is utterly pleasing to me. Um, uh, and I love the way that they use the word in the movie, but I particularly like at the beginning where Michael Caine reveals the third thing, the, is the part we call the prestige. So, Dingus, you'll be glad to know we might be watching that. There's a 50% chance we'll be watching that for our uh, our fundraiser movie. Wait, what? Uh, really? Now. Yeah, it's it's gotten votes. So the fact that it's got votes means it either will or won't be the movie. There's a 100% chance of either one of those happening, 100 divided by two. Two outcomes, 50%. So stay tuned. Wow, I forgot you said that. I shouldn't have chosen it then. No, no, no. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad you chose it. You're you're basically paving the way for us maybe uh, watching it in two weeks. Right. Kelly, I wanted to have a question for you. Yeah. What's your favorite instance of a title being said in a movie? Uh, that would be from the motion picture um, Back to the Future. They don't actually say that. Yeah, he does, actually. Oh, it, oh, it's, oh, you know what? Uh, yeah, I can see him like, oh, we have to go back to the future, Doc. Is that like that? Yeah. It's, it's so obviously any points. No, yeah. that's not true. Are you serious? Is he it like a wink moment? the future. He's a scientist. Let's go back. <laughs> yeah, it's terrible. Uh, oh, wait. Is Christopher Lloyd? Yeah. Ew, okay. <laughs> that's my number one. And it's totally a wink-wink moment. No, it's a good title. But when it's said in the movie, it's a wink-wink moment? Well, it's a plot point. Actually, I think, Tom, most of that movie was improvised. So I think... <laughs> No, they all had to relive it before. It was the opposite of improvising. I think I think he's right. They were just improvising, and at that point, Robert Zemeckis was like, "That's the name." <laughs> Time is never improvised. Write that down. <laughs> Kelly Wan, do you know I can prove to you, and you uh-huh. will agree with me, by the way, that time travel is not only possible, but is I can prove to you that time travel is possible. Do you believe me? Um, once you hit turn the machine on, then you can go back to that. I'll just claim that as a victory. All right. Are you guys ready for my number one? Wait. I mean, no. Sorry. You missed your chance. You'd have to believe me. Uh, That's the joke is you just say that to someone, and they're like, no, it's not. And you say, yeah, but it's only possible at a fixed rate. Actually, not a fixed rate. That's untrue. But it's only possible in one direction because we're constantly traveling through time. It's kind of dopey, but, you know, if you do it like at a bar with people drunk. That's as dumb as what I said. (laughs) What do drunk people do, punch you? No, you can make a dollar. Hey, did you know that you can't make your time? (laughs) If they're a belligerent drunk, they might. (laughs) Otherwise, you might be able to. Just come into the bar and announce that. Yeah, you might be able to make a buck or two if they're not belligerent. (laughs) Yeah. All right. My number one favorite, and I was kind of worried one of you guys was going to scoop me on this. Because uh, this is immediately what I thought of when Dingus uh, announced the, the topic. Uh, I've said before, I have this theory kind of that there, that there are certain perfect movies. 
Uh, and that's a movie where the script, the actors, and the director all come together. They fit perfectly. They understand oh. each other. Um, there are very <laughs> few of these. I would call Casablanca one of them. More recently, I think Toy Story 2 is one of them. Uh, sort of like sainthood, it takes a while before this applies. So currently, the Avengers is maybe a candidate for one of them. But J- Jaws, of course, one of them. Avengers. One of my... One um, of my. This is a great one. So so yeah. So Kelly, I'm going to give you a line. You ready for this? Okay. Forget it, Jake. It is Chinatown. What uh, movie is that from? Diner. Oh, you were close. <laughs> I almost chose Diner. You jerk. They're both on the East Coast. Actually, no. Chinatown's on the East Wait, Coast. Wait, Chinatown's on the East Coast. They're both in America. Very because <laughs> really the movie. East Coast is so deserty. Well, China is the East. Uh, so I love how in Chinatown the the, the word that's the, that's the iconic line by the way and I, I think I think it's iconic not because well it's iconic because that's where it's clearly expressed that the Chinatown is kind of a, a metaphor but it's been discussed before there's been groundwork laid for Jake Giddis having previously worked uh, basically as a policeman in Chinatown the cop who's constantly dogging his steps in the movie. He confesses at one point to Faye Dunaway, yeah, we were partners. We worked Chinatown together. We were told to do as little as possible. Um, so now that he is a private detective, that's kind of his past that is, is haunting him. So over the course of Chinatown, the movie, he gets caught up in this, this mystery. Uh, he discovers the, the famous bit with Faye Dunaway saying, that's my sister, that's my daughter, that's my sister. She's my sister and my daughter. Daughter discovers that she's the, a victim of, of incest. Her father has raped her. She got pregnant. She had the baby. So it's her sister and her daughter. And he determines to save them. So he arranges uh, to get them out of L.A. into Mexico because the guy who is her father, who's trying to find her, is a very powerful villain named Noah Cross, played by John Huston in this. So he arranges to get them out of the, the country. And he's going to have his friend, uh, who I'd forgotten this, by the way, played by Burt Young, pick them up from Chinatown because that's where Faye Dunaway's servant lives, uh, and then drive them, uh, to, and, and then take them by boat. I guess they'll drive out to the docks and then take them by boat to Mexico. So that's his, he's decided to get involved, to help someone, to basically redeem himself from his past in Chinatown where he did as little as possible. And in this famous last scene, everything goes wrong. Uh, you know, the cops are already there. Uh, Noah Cross's goons have got to drop on him. He's completely blown it. But fortunately, Faye Dunaway pulls a gun, she shoots Noah Cross and you know doesn't kill him, but drives him back. The police, she's going to get away. She's driving away, but the cops open fire. There's that great long shot down the street of the car coasting to a stop with the horn blaring, and then the daughter and the car start screaming, and they run up to it, and Faye Dunaway has been killed by a stray shot. And this is what I didn't remember. So Noah Cross, the incestuous, like the child-molesting father of Faye Dunaway, who has sired this poor girl who is now – her mother has been killed and she's screaming about it. He comes to the car and he comforts her because that's what he wants actually is to get her to come back home. So not only is he going to get away with murder, which is the central plot that that begins Chinatown, it seems to me – and Jake Giddis is keenly aware of this when he he watches all this unfold in front of him and he's completely stunned – it seems to me he's keenly aware that probably this girl is going to get carried away and then raped again, just like her mother was, which is hugely chilling. And, and watching John Houston play this, this just really creepy guy, like 
reassuring a child, and he clearly has no way how to communicate with children, and then dragging her out of the car. He's gotten his way. He's gotten away with murder, and Jack Nicholson now knows that he is completely – not only has he failed, he's been instrumental in causing this, and he's stunned by this. And as he is led away, one of the cops says to him – and it's amazing the line delivery because it's almost soothing – uh, one of the cops says to him that line about "forget it, Jake. It's Chinatown," um, which is a metaphor for that classic noir principle that you can't escape your past, you can't accomplish anything. You know, it will all fail in the end, um, and that's you know that's that's sort of the the, the bleak point of, of Chinatown, and that's what summed up in that line: "Forget it, Jake. It's Chinatown." So there you go. There's my number one pick, and that's immediately what came to mind, Dingus, when you uh, when you mentioned it. Yeah, that's a great one. I love that. All right, Kelly Wand, you are next. What's your favorite? Or no, Dingus, that's you. Uh, what is so now? Back your... to the Future. Do you understand <laughs> what I was getting at? Uh, it's a metaphor. Stuff? Yeah, so he's sure. going back to where he was. It's, it's really the present because time travels uh, in one direction. I do think of Christopher Lloyd's performances right up there with John Huston in, in uh, Chinatown. <laughs> All right, Dingus, what is your favorite instance of, uh, and I'm guessing it inspired this topic, of a title said in a movie? Uh, it did not. Uh, the thing that inspired this topic is not here. Um, this is something that I feel foolish bringing up after your awesome uh, breakdown of Chinatown, which is uh, really a great, a great choice. Uh, forget it, Jake, it's Chinatown. Uh, it's it. kind of unfair, Dingus, though, because it's a perfect movie. So that, yeah, yeah that's kind of it's kind of almost, it's almost in the medium by itself. So mine is, uh, hey Woody, it's Toy Story two. <laughs> that shark has big jaws. <laughs> All right, uh, this is uh, here's a quote from it. Um, you said it yourself, bitch. We're the guardians of the galaxy. Ah uh-huh. ha! Thought you might pick this. <laughs> I love that too, though, which is why I'm laughing at you. Um, so my list largely deals with me kind of going into the movie not knowing what not knowing what the title meant, um, and so uh, I I don't have any understanding of the comic book world. Obviously, I think people who listen to the podcast we just did will be very clear about that. So Guardians of the Galaxy, I just thought sounded very generic to me, uh, but I was willing to go along with it, and I was so happy and uh, pleasantly surprised at how well the movie worked, and even more so that because I went to see it before seeing it with my kid because I'd heard it was going to be super violent. It was James Gunn, so I was really careful. So I went to see it beforehand alone, and I was so pleased with it. And then at the end of the movie, they they tell me, okay. We're going to let you know what the title means. Um, and this this total jerk comes in. The total jerk, played by a, an actor I really like, comes in and says, you know, citizens of Xandar, behold your gardens of the galaxy. What fruit have they wrought? That's really the lot. Wow. Because I, I remember Chris Pratt saying it, but oh, my God. No. I can see Lee, Lee Pace getting the script. Yeah. Oh gosh, I got to say that. Okay, I'll try to sell it. <laughs> Behold, your guardians of the galaxy. What fruit have they wrought? Um, and then they go through all that stuff with the with the stone, and and you can totally see Chris Pratt selling this line, just as Jack Nicholson sold the line. You had Tom. No, oh, no, it was some random policeman, and um, Christopher Lloyd sold the line. 
uh, Kelly had uh, him saying, "You said it, bitch." We're the guardians of the galaxy, and it's that moment where where they they he decides, "Yeah, we'll take that. We'll take that mantle on. That's what we are." Um, so I, I absolutely loved that seeing the movie, not knowing what the hell that that thing went, not believing that any of this was going to work. I couldn't believe that this movie was going to work. This raccoon, this weird wrestler dude, um, the girl from Avatar, uh, Chris Pratt from Parks and Rec. How is any of this going to work? And Vin Diesel is a tree. Uh, how is any of this going to work? And that at the end, he pulls it all together by saying, yeah, bitch, we're the Guardians of the Galaxy. First of all, I don't understand why you have any problem, why you think that there would be any stretch for Vin Diesel to play a tree. I mean, that's perfect casting. Yeah, it's typecasting. I expect him to play a rock. Oh, wait, that's Dwayne Johnson. How dare you? How dare you, Dingus? He is not ready for that. And plus, the rock is still around to do it himself. That's just rude. Um, what, what I also love about that is I think one of the worst movie titles spoken in a movie, and this is a sticking point with the Committee for Perfect Moviedom Approval, uh, the, the delivery of the line, the Avengers line in the Avengers, I, I kind of feel like the studio said to Joss Whedon, okay, Joss, you have to get the title in there somehow. We have to say why they're called the Avengers. Just write something. And Joss Whedon, like, racking his brain, and he can't come up with it, and the time has come for them to shoot that scene, and he finally just blurts something for Robert Downey Jr. to say, and he has that awful bit about, maybe we won't save the universe, but we'll avenge it. I don't even remember what it is. <laughs> The Earth, not the universe, but I can see them doing Rochambeau, all the all the actors going, okay, who's going right. to be fine? <laughs> oh, let's give it to Mark. He's being paid the least, right? <laughs> <laughs> all right, Dingus, what do the listeners have for us for their favorite uh, titles spoken? All right, we have, a, we have a fellow named James Miller. Hello, gents. Great topic this week. Here are my offerings. Number Who, by the way, might be related to the number one opening movie box office take director, Tim Miller, for all we know. Or, or who's Chris the, Miller. Yeah, Chris Miller. Director of Shrek 3? Yeah. James Miller's Close. number three. After a horrific wreck in his airplane, Leonardo DiCaprio clutches a man's shoulder, splitting, spitting up blood, and proclaims, I'm Howard Hughes, the aviator. <laughs> Bitch. <laughs> Let's do that after every title for now. <laughs> well, this might get me pulled over. I'll add an addendum as a twofer. In The Fellowship of the Ring, Gandalf warns the mm. turned Sauron that there's only one Lord of the Ring, only one, and he does not share power. Also, to get me off with just a warning at the Council of Elrond, Elrond states, Nine companions, so be it. You shall be the Fellowship of the Ring. See, that's that's it's so like highlighted and boldface and underlined and I, ugh. I mean, I love that movie and I'm a sucker for it, but I, come on, James, really? No, but then doesn't Pippin say something dumb right after that? Like, when are we going for something? Okay. I can only hope. No, afterwards, Kelly Wan he whispers, "Go." <laughs> he says, "Let's go back to the Mordor." All right. Uh, so James Miller says for his final one, and finally in. Back to the Future. Mm-hmm. Doc yes. Brown exclaims that next Saturday night, we send you Back to the Future. At this point, he swirls around and points directly at us. Terrific. <laughs> See? I think back Someone to the, gets it. I really feel Back to the Future should have been called We Don't Need Roads Where We're Going. <laughs> that would have That's worked way better for me. 
I think it's where we. We don't need roads where we're going. Yeah. Oh right, right. Whatever, whatever See, you said. Yeah. Your writing out always comes out, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> All right. We have Grant Stewart next. Great topic to think, but far too many options. I've tried to pick titles that epitomize the films without being too coarse and without trying to be so clever as to be obnoxious. This is a bit of a high wire act for directors. I've got four that I love. I've picked three of my favorites. Uh, he gives quotes. Number three. Here's his quote. Number four, no four, two, two, four, and noodles. He say you braid runner. Very good. Thank you, Tom. Uh, Kelly, one, could you, we get your rendition of that line? What? That's so racist. I'm not going to say that on the internet. That's disgusting. I have friends, all right, who are braid runners. When Decker sits so. down to get his order of noodles, we yeah. know nothing about him. Where it came from, no backstory, families or friends, etc. When the dude behind the counter says, he say you Blade Runner. What? Uh, I'm sorry, Grant spelled it Braid Runner. Uh, this isn't confirmed or denied, but he dutifully goes with Gaff to accept his mission. Can so I do the line he, that he says after he say you Braid Runner? Yeah, go ahead. Here we go. This is my, I've worked on this impression for a while. <laughs> Tell him I'm eating. <laughs> See? Dwayne Johnson's earlier funnier ones. High the, fact, the fact he's called a Blade Runner makes no sense. He doesn't carry a knife. He doesn't do much running. I know the reference is to a completely unrelated piece of literature, which I think Ridley Scott just liked the sound of, although I heard it was maybe Hampton Fancher's niece who suggested it. This mangled reference to an unrelated piece of literature, the onset power struggle, and the legendary nightmare of a production are the perfect summation of this movie that turned out to be an absolute classic is some sort of a miracle tell them a meeting would have been a good title too <laughs> or two two four yeah grant stewart's number two choice i'd fight william shatner mm. see now i was gonna this is a book not a movie <laughs> take us pull him oh. over I love these little back-and-forth exchanges of Tyler Durden and Jack, or whatever his name is, discussing who they'd like to fight. The title drop when we go for the long tracking shot following Tyler from the car park, through the bar, down to the cellar, and into the rabbit hole, we get the gentleman, welcome to Fight Club line. It's like we are part of the club, we are privy to a bunch of capable but unchallenged guys frustrated by their own redundant masculinity doing a bunch of primal acting out. That, which primal acting out good, Grant. The movie could have been called Space Monkeys. <laughs> Space Monkey Smack. Uh, Grant Stewart's number one. I can't think of a good quote off the top of my head, but the thing that really struck me about Eternal Sunshine... Ah, Dad Gummit! Also, no, no, that's an Alexander Pope poem. Oh, I'm so angry. Dingus, Dingus pull him over. Why is that a... What's wrong? Because I wanted to pick that, but I was thinking, no, it's it's a great moment where she's quoting Pope Alexander. I love that moment, but it's not the... You know, Charlie Kaufman, he's stolen the title of... He's taken poetry. Uh, like, all right. right. I mean, poetry. I love that moment, but you can't pick that, just like you can't pick the title of a book. You can't pick anything. Pull I had over. both of these that I consciously didn't pick, and Grant gets them. How is that fair? Uh, my kid is reading uh, this book about monsters from movies, and the latest monster in the movie to show up is Moby Dick. But that's the name. Wait, what? That, the idea is that the white whale is a is a what? It's a monster, yeah. I mean, I'm okay with that, but I mean, it, well, he does kill everybody. That's what monsters do. 
Yep. But Moby Dick's it's not a monster's name. Well, it is. It's also the character's name. Like you can't pick that because, first of all, a it's a book. B it's the character's name. Right. Why is he called that? Because I don't know. Yeah, that is a good question. Is that explained in the book? Dingus, you're our Moby Dick source material authority. No, I'm not. You are. Stop that. I, know. I actually don't, don't know if it's that. explained in the book. I can't imagine Melville just tried it out and left it alone. I'm sure there's a whole chapter explaining it. What about Ron Howard? <laughs> his, his name is explained. His mom named him. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Dingus. <sighs> so anyway, Grant. Right, yeah, what does Grant say? Because I would have. <laughs> Grant's. Eternal Sunshine wow. was that, although the story is ostensibly about Jim Carrey and Kate Winslet, the real crux of the movie is summed up in what could almost be a separate short film starring Kirsten Dunst, Mark Ruffalo, and Tim Wilkinson. Dunst's delivery did he say of Tim Wilkinson. Did he really write Tim Wilkinson? I'm sorry, so. Tom. Tom, sorry, I, said I was looking Tom. for any opportunity to disqualify Grant. Tom Wilkinson. Dunst's. That's really hard to say. Dunst's delivery of a few lines from Alexander Pope poem are perfectly twee and naive. Our eventual realization of her relationship to Tom Wilkinson is a great reveal and makes for the movie's point makes the movie's point perfectly without being heavy heavy handed. Hmm. So unfair. Oh. Look, um, it's it's just uh, a, an easygoing interchange with the cops just hanging out. It's, like, what do you care if he doesn't get a ticket? I think he should be arrested. It what? should be a lengthy trial. It should be covered in the media. He should be pilloried. Hmm. Uh, next, we have Paul Weimer. Hi, guys. Just going to give the lines from the movie without fuss, without putting the wrong actors on characters this time. Number three, they call me the Lord of War, but I believe it really is you. Number two, Inception. Is it possible? And number nine, I mean, number one, sorry, number nine. <laughs> wow, Paul Weimer, you can get the yeah. names right finally, but then he screws up the math. Nice. Paul Weimer's number one. Next Saturday night, we're sending you back to the future. <laughs> wow. Stupid Chinatown, suck it. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a place. The future is much broader. Stupid Chinatown. Next, we have Peter Haynes. I'm keeping this short and sweet. First off. Quote, Jenny, prepare yourself for a shock. I'm the Rocketeer. The Rocka who? Because Jennifer Connelly, hot damn. Right. Also, in keeping with my mission to get this film into as many 3x3s as possible, I'm going with Paul Rudd's Peter Clavin telling his bro Sidney Fife, I love you, man. Oh, that's a sweet one. I do like that one. Yeah, I do too. Very good, Peter. And he says, because I love that film forever. Huge props for the podcast and drink, Pete. Thank you, Pete. Hmm. The Jennifer Connelly I would have chosen uh, personally, career opportunities. Oh, yeah. Does she Does say it? that, though? I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. Rocky uh, worse. We have Simon Esgers next. Uh, hey, guys, I finally managed to actually listen to the podcasts in time to write in for the 3x3 three three again. Number three, Mortal Kombat. Also, not a movie, a video game, but go ahead. I, I might get the problem, problematic stuff out of the way first. I assume lines from non-diegetic theme songs aren't really in the spirit of this week's 3x3, three three, but I'd argue that it is at least subtextually implied through all the characters' design that they probably listen to music exactly like it. Number two, 
The Long Goodbye. Hmm. Various versions of the titular song, which starts out with the line, There's a Long Goodbye, keep following Elliot Gould's Philip Marlowe around during the course of the movie, like the surprisingly lively specter of Terry Lennox, evoking an equal parts nostalgia and, after a while, ennui as Marlowe starts ascending in a convoluted swamp of greed, passion, and moral bankruptcy that only seems to become deeper and deeper, like the belabored similes in a three-way-three three listener suggestion that doesn't know when to stop. That was very Altman-esque of him. Yeah. And uh, Simon Edster's number one, Waltz with Bashir. What? Uh. The actual mentioning of the film isn't that impressive, and not speaking Hebrew, I had to rely on the subtitles to make sure that the film does, in fact, qualify for the, this week's topic. But the scene it happens in is marking the last instance where the film is a really beautiful war movie before turning into a surreally but very decidedly not beautiful one. Is Apologies. That that, Go ahead. Is that, that about the Israeli tank crew? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Mm. Apologies to Tom for sending in a pic whose non-moviness is two-folded by virtue of being a cartoon and, arguably, documentary. What? It's cartoon. Right, right. Because Waltz... Yeah. Oh, wait, no. Waltz would be sure... It, it's an animated thing, then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's, it's much, black and white. Yeah. No, it's not. I don't think so. No, it's okay. it's more in the in the style of that um, Linklater, uh, Keanu Reeves. Oh, thing. right, right. Where they draw over the film. Yeah. Waking life. Rotoscoping, yeah. Yeah. Um, hmm. I'm not going to read your runners up because I want to give other people. Sorry, Simon. Uh, Colton W. Westrate. Awesome. After your ribbing on the footwear three by three, I had no intention of seeing another Jackie Chan film for a while. But you left me no choice with this week's topic. In fact, I'm going to submit the same movie because it's just too perfect. In Who Am I? <laughs> Jackie suffers a trauma. And gets amnesia. <laughs> but he's rescued and respect to help by a friendly African tribe. Um, that does sound traumatic. I won't go full IMDb on you, but the short version is that since he doesn't speak their language and he doesn't know his name, they come to believe his name actually is. Who <laughs> am All right, Colton. It reminds me well of... Done. Uh, of, uh, oh, what's the stupid movie with? Oh, no. oh I, I was worried. Uh, he was, I thought he was going to pick a rush hour. Idiocracy? Yeah, idiocracy. Not oh, me. right. <laughs> Not sure. Not sure, yeah. Not sure. Who am I? Jackie goes on asking the question and being called Who Am I? Until the dramatic reveal. My favorite shot is when he runs to the top of the hill, stands on a pedestal, throws his hands in the air and shouts at the sky, Who am I? as the camera circles around him from above. I know this is a complicated case, but at worst, it only half breaks the non-character's name rule. The runner-up would, of course, be Back to the Future. <laughs> no way. Yeah. Oh, my God. I can't believe that is happening. All right, we have Nick D. Uh, I'll give you the titular quotes. Number three. They tell me you... They tell me you are a man with true grit. Title drops aren't the sort of thing you expect from the Coen brothers to go in for, but in this case it works since Rooster Cogburn isn't the one the movie is going to portray as having the titular grit. It's Matty Ross. 
Also, that might be – I don't know that – so that, that's from a book by uh, Charles Portis. Yeah. Uh, I don't know that Charles Portis would actually write that. Like I I think that what? maybe it, the words true grit might not have actually appeared in the book. I could be wrong. They are in the book. They are in the book? Okay, I take it back. All right, Nick D., you win this one. I think. Right. So Nick D.'s number two is they drew first blood, not me. Oh, uh, first blood. No, have- I was going to say not me. Oh, shoot. <laughs> if you haven't seen First Blood and all you know about it is that it's some sort of vigilante movie, I think it would be reasonable for a person to assume that John Rambo is the one who draws First Blood. I like the fact that this is the title they chose for the movie about a guy who is crazy, and that line where he says the title is supposed to be ironic. And Nick D's number one, does that mean you play fast music jazz? Yeah, real hot. Oh, well, I guess some like it hot, but personally, I prefer classical music. Tony Curtis wins over Marilyn Monroe by pretending to be a cold fish who can't get it up. So this line is a bit of a double entendre, like the fact that the title works in both. Thanks, Grandpa. <laughs> Arthur Jovangeli. Uh Number three. Quote, And if that little girl only hope... Oh, God. And if that little girl only hope you... Jesus. And if that little girl only hope is you, well, I pray for her because she is gone, baby, gone. Ew. Uh. Sorry, I couldn't read that. I can't read that line of dialogue. Well, Jillian Flynn can't write it either. Ha ha. Uh, The quotation is from the movie Gone, Baby, Gone. Cheese says it to Patrick. Before I saw this movie, I thought the title was a little silly. Wait a minute. I feel like an idiot. I thought he was talking about Gone Girl. I take it back. He's talking about Gone I Baby. Knew you Gone. Thought that. Right, the Dennis Lane thing, and I, I was th- thought he meant the stupid Gone Girl book slash movie, and I just made it. I'll edit this out. Go ahead, Dingus. Oh, I think I think he's just missing an apostrophe s. And if that little girl's only hope is you, will I pray for her because she's gone, baby, gone? All right. So, so it is a girl the, who is gone, though. Yeah, gone, baby, gone. So he's just missing defense. an apostrophe s. All right, right. Uh, number two for Arthur. How happy? Wait, is- real quick. Gone, get who is. Gone Baby Gone isn't Ben Affleck didn't direct that, did he? No, is yeah. that Fincher? No, it's not Fincher. That's Gone Girl. Fincher did Gone Girl, oh, but Gone Baby oh. Gone is the one with Casey Affleck, which doesn't suck. Like I, I remember, it's not the what's the show? Mystic River. Like it's not terrible like Mystic River. It's actually a good one. But I was trying to think who directed Gone Baby Gone. Affleck. Did he really? And he cast his brother in it. Okay, because I know he did like The Town. Um, yeah, he did. But the story was by Lahane. Right. Right. And by Ben Affleck. Okay, yeah, I, I like, yeah, I like Gone Baby Gone. Like that one, I'm down with. And I can't believe I th- mistook it for Gone Girl. I'm an idiot. Right. He's the descendant of slave owners. Who is Dennis Lane? Affleck. No. As long as Casey Affleck isn't, I'm okay with that. Jesus. All right, I'm sorry, Dingus. We interrupted Arthur Giovanginelli's picks. So sorry, Arthur. Arthur. His number two is how happy is the blameless Vestal's lot, the world forgetting. By the world forgot eternal sunshine of the spotless mind, each prayer accepted and each wish resigned. This is a passage from Alexander Pope's poem, Eloisa to Abelard, is used in the movie The Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. The thing is, if you're not, not going to arrest Grant Stewart and Arthur Giovanginelli, I think someone needs to. I'm going to make a citizen's arrest. You can deputize yourself. That's fine. No, you, you know send what? It back to the future. <sighs> but I think hey, you're going to have a... Uh, 
You're going to have a problem because his number one is Forget It, Jake. It's Chinatown. Oh, okay. I'll forgive him. What does he write about it? That's, okay, Arthur, you're okay. I'm, you're See, you're like Jake in this situation, Tom. <laughs> Completely <laughs> ineffectual and unable yeah, to accomplish yeah, anything? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all he says is, well, certainly not a long title. It is still used throughout the movie to great effect. Yeah. That's all like Shaft. Next we have, next we have Nick Dingle. I'll give you the titular quotes. Number three, they tell you, they tell me you are a man with true grit. Um, wait, wait, you just read, I think you backed up, Mingus, I think. No, I didn't, but he sent in twice, never mind. Oh, Nick, um, don't, don't hit send twice, Nick, just hit it once. Uh, Rob Favre? Hey guys, uh, just one pick to send along this week. I'll send you the quote to see if you kiss the movie. Right, right. Somebody said aliens. She thought she thought they said illegal aliens and signed up. That's such a stupid uh, joke, by the way. What? Like, I, I, does, does, does Vasquez really? Oh no, wait. Who's making it? Is it a Vasquez joke? Sounds like Hudson to me. I think it is. Yeah. It's Hudson saying it about Vasquez. Right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. Okay. You know what? Said. If Hudson says it, it's like, Hudson makes dumb jokes. So actually, I'm okay with that. You're right. Yeah. Hudson's not funny. He's right. hilarious though. So Rob Favre says, I was never really clear about why Vasquez would want to sign up to shoot illegal aliens. Maybe she has especially strong feelings about border security, but it's a great line anyway. Thanks, guys. Oh, Keep I see what you're saying. I can see Vasquez supporting Donald Trump's candidacy. <laughs> can you imagine a huge wall on the spaceship? It would have saved a lot of lives, Dingus, from those Seriously. aliens coming in. Yep. All right. So uh, Chris Webb. Number three, these pretzels are giving me vertigo. What? Number two, alert, it's time for the apocalypse now. Number one, uh, let's get out of here before the Empire Strikes Back. All right, never mind. Uh, sorry, see, I just. Digus, see what out. happens when you don't vet when we don't vet these. Yeah, I can't read these beforehand because I, I can't believe when people don't take list. the topic seriously. God. So Chris Webb says, "Oh, sorry, I just blacked out. Let me get things in order here." Okay, good. Here's my list, which is PG thirteen. For non-oral titular references. Number three, in Mulholland Drive, when the street sign is shown. Mm, Number two, in Scream, when Drew Merrimore screams because her boyfriend is tied up in the backyard. Uh, All right, pull him over. Fuck that. Number one, in The Wood, when Omar Epps' character as a teenager gets a boner in class that he has to hide with a body. Okay, pull him over. Pull him over. He's not being over. He's he's actually on the no-fly list. (laughs) (laughs) I'm furious. And finally, we have Chris Markinson. Hey, guys. If in in Bruges was titled In Fucking Bruges, it would have at least had a couple spots on my list. It's not, though, so these will have to do. Oh, that would have been great. I didn't. Yeah, good catch, Chris. That's that really would have been great, Chris. Yeah, it's in Belgium. Uh, number three. <laughs> oh, right. It could have been called in Belgium. Right. Yeah. He could have gone with that title. Yeah. Or on Earth. <laughs> <laughs> or after Earth. Yeah. Number three. Quiet Earth. In Black Hawk Down, after Super Six One. See, gets no, no, it's a book. It's a book. Quit. Because I also wanted to pick that, but it's a book. It crashes crashes into a huge intersection in Mogadishu. After the crash sequence, there is a voice over the radio saying, "We got a Black Hawk down. We got a Black Hawk down." 
Is he the, getting pulled over? He's not even getting pulled over for citing the name of a bullshit. Pulled over you twice. Know, he says it twice. This is a double-edged sword. If you're going to say that previous material doesn't matter when we're making the movie, then you got to do it here. I think this is a three-by-three, three, not a movie. Uh, Yeah, it is. Believe me, we're in the middle of a movie right now. Hmm. Right. Look at the screen and tell everybody to go home and then go... Dingus, Dingus is the Dr. Bong of my two models. <laughs> <laughs> Chris Markets is number two. Uh, we'll just tell them we're cops. Good idea. This is our cop car now. Nice. Okay, Chris, mm-hmm. you're, I, I accept your previous one. That's from the heat. In the heat, um, no, in cop car, Harrison is worried about stealing the cop car, but Travis calms him down by saying they will tell people they are cops. There's something about the confidence that Travis has when he says, "This is our cop car now." That I really like. It's that whole. It's that kid logic, which was I made me love cop car. Is yeah. Right, you know what? Black Hawk Down is a good choice. I've decided. Chris just make me like cop car, uh, 2.5 percent more. At least someone could do it. I wasn't able to. And Chris Markinson's number one. Start practicing harder, Neiman. Whiplash, bar 125, big boy tempo, 5, 6, and. In Whiplash, after physically and emotionally eviscerating Neiman for not being able to keep the right tempo while playing Whiplash, J.K. Simmons calmly continues with the rehearsal for the studio band. Thanks, guys. Chris. The name of the song, but since you picked Cop Car, I'm okay with it. All right, so that's uh, it. Do you guys have any... Uh, I really wanted to pick, just because I love the scene, um, and I don't know that the Coen brothers usually do this. Like, I think they have some movies where they don't say the name, but I, I like the moment where it is explained what a serious, the, the significance of a serious man is, where Michael Stuhlbarg is, uh, yeah. is protesting that he is a serious man and he doesn't deserve these things that are visited on him. Uh, it's very Jobian. Um, so I like Serious oh. Man. That's my main runner-up. My main runner-up is rock and roll. I love the the way the movie begins with telling us what the definition of a rock and roll is and how it ends with him saying, now I'm going to be a real rock and roller. And then there are no more movies in that series. Yeah, that's what totally sucks about it because I, I love that movie so much, so much more than everybody else did apparently. And it sets the table for a trilogy that never happens because it says – Next, uh, the, all these guys in the Funky Bunch or whoever they are are going to show up in the real rock and roll. Because he says at the end, now I'm now because he's out of rehab and he says, no, unlike you, he's saying this to Mark Strong. Now I'm going to be a real rock and roller. And I love the I love the bracketing. I'm not bracketing, but the the bookends of the of the title in this movie. Fortunately, we got Man from Uncle though. He's doing Man from Uncle instead of. Uh Another rock and roller. Yeah, we got that going for us. Yeah. Kelly, want any runners up for you? Uh, Man from Uncle. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Kelly, what is next week's topic and how can the listeners participate? Next week, you can participate by choosing your three most memorable in a movie words of wisdom. If you'd like to participate in this contest, Send your picks to 3x3 at 3com That's the number three, the number or algebraic letter X, followed by another number three, the A with the circle around it, the letter Q, U-A-R-T-E-R-T-O-T-H-R-E, 
Any elaboration com. needed or just words of – because it, there's some leeway there, Kelly Wan. You want us to be able to – like No, just, you can only type the address that one way or you won't get your <laughs> the email. Good point. So, um, yeah. All right. Do you guys so, have any questions? Dingus, do you? I, uh, it's I, not I word of wisdom per – like it's three best words of wisdom each words. Like it's not just one I word. think we're, we understand the idiom, yeah. Yep. All right, we'll see what happens, Kelly Wan, won't we? Itty what? Uh, I am now going to read, and this is still a, a fairly long list, but so bear with me. I'm going to read from the least votes to the most votes where we stand in the 2016 fundraiser, where next week and at the next podcast we'll, we'll choose a winner uh, to watch the week after that on the 28th. So here we go, from least votes to most votes. A funny thing happened on the way to the forum, Agera Wrath of God, Das Boot, Goon, Ice Pirates, It's a Mad, 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 Mad World, Leviathan, Martyrs, the original, No Way Out, Runaway Train, Sophie's Choice, Spotlight, The Dark Valley, Commando on the Front Line, documentary, not the Schwarzenegger one, Ghost in the Shell, The Battle of Algiers, Things to Do in Denver When You're Dead, A Serbian Film, Battlefield Earth, Battleship Potemkin, send it like Beckham, the bothersome man. It's like a bunch of bees. Corvette Summer, uh. Emmett. Ott, well, things that get the same number of votes. These are uh, well. I'll tell you the number of votes next week. These are things that got the same number of votes, and they get organized in the spreadsheet in alphabetical order. I think Corvette Kelly was Summer. talking about a wicker man. Uh, Corvette Summer and oh, nice. Uh, Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas, Heat, The Prestige, Turbo Kid, Interstellar. Better luck tomorrow. Big trouble in Little China. The Duke of Burgundy. Hateful Eight. Kafka. Florence of Arabia. Love and Pain and the Whole Damn Thing. That's one title there. Master and Commander. Again, one title. The One I Love. Phantasm. Primer. Thin Red Line. Treasure of the Sierra Madre. True Romance. AI. Artificial Intelligence. Alien. Armageddon. It's such a beautiful day. Purple Rain, Bad Day at Black Rock, Magic Mike, XXL, Spirited Away, The Isle, Zapped, Zulu, Twelve Monkeys, American Psycho, Once Upon a Time in the West, Wild, Black Dynamite, The Damned United, The Hunt for Red October, Strutzek, Crank High Voltage, Pumpkin, Runaway, the Tom Selleck one, 2001 Space Odyssey, Jaws, Army of Shadows, The Long Goodbye, Seventh Seal, Midnight Run, Wild Tales, Brick, and Goonies. Uh, Jaws is higher than Zapped? That's uh, weird. Let's see. Yes. Jo- why is it? No, please. <laughs> yeah, Jaws is way higher than Zapped. You think that Zapped. that's not weird? <laughs> Jaws is a perfect movie. Zapped is a flawed movie, Kelly Wand. Yeah, but no one. does anyone want to watch us listen to us talk about a perfect movie? Fair enough. All right, so uh, you've got one more week. Send in your picks. Uh, next week we are seeing Hail Caesar. Mm. There's apparently a 1954 movie with that title. That's not the one we're watching. The 2016 uh. Hail Caesar, spoilers, directed by the Cohen brothers. Uh. Uh, send in your 3x3 three three for words of wisdom. We would love to read those on the air. Uh, and I am Tom Chick. I have been joined by Christian Molostowski. It's Christian Morosky. And we had Kelly Wand. Not my tempo, I'm eating. I know it's going down, that's the way it's saying. Show me the way I
Dingus, that's my favorite Leslie Uggam song. How about you? Your crazy matches my crazy big time. I swore an oath to keep it secret. This lie has kept apocalypse at bay for hundreds of years. We were afraid if the Queen's heart was destroyed, you'd lose your immortality or die. That wasn't your choice to make! Uh, he's so good as Groot. Maximum effort. <laughs>